people were beginning to think that you weren't coming back. <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm here. I'm back. The name of the show for the last week has been it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash minus Kev Nash. <laughs> it became like a math equation. But welcome back. How was your time off? Oh, man, it was awesome, man. We went to Chicago. First time being in Chicago. Um, my first reaction to Chicago is... Uh, the Simone Biles discussion, Aaron Rodgers discussion, NFL training camps kicking off. But I have to open up with what we've been waiting for, the Cincinnati Reds, to show a little life. To show a little life. Not, yes, from a win-loss perspective. But the front office. We've been waiting for them to kind of... To show a little life. We kind of wanted to see that they were going to look at this roster, that they were going to look at this team, they were going to look at where they're at within the standings and the playoff picture, and then I was curious how they were going to assess it. Because, to be fair, I don't think that this is a team that seven games back you could say, oh man, if you just give them a couple bullpen pieces, they're World Series champs. I think they're at that weird situation. We talk about this in the NBA all the time. You may be a, a seven or eight seed in the NBA playoffs, and you may think, oh, man, you're a playoff team. But sometimes being a seven and eight seed could be the worst situation possible because history tells you you're not going to win. I'm not saying you don't have a chance. We watched the Warriors uh, you know, back in the day with Baron Davis you know, beat the Dallas Mavericks the one seed. But that was such a huge deal because it doesn't happen, and I don't believe it's happened since then. It just does not happen. Um, and with that being said, sometimes, yes, you want to fight to make the playoffs in the NBA, but when you do, that's kind of the worst situation because the gap between the one seed and the seven and eight seed is significant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sure, you've made the playoffs, but you're nowhere close to being an NBA Finals caliber team, and that means you've won a lot of games because you're in the playoffs, which means you don't have a premier draft pick, and now you're kind of somewhere in the middle. And that can be concerning and I feel like from a baseball perspective that that's where the Reds could potentially be. I keep hearing people all the time say man the front office they owe it to the fans to go make some moves at the deadline. Okay luckily the Reds with the moves that they've made today which we'll touch on in a moment luckily the moves that they've made today the Reds have had they really haven't had to sell the farm. I know that's a uh, that pun intended in more ways than none. They haven't had to sell the farm to get the three names that they did today. Three decent solid arms and people keep saying well they're not that great of arms. Compared to what they had, it's a humongous upgrade. But they didn't have to give up a lot to get these guys. And I think that these are safe gets for the Cincinnati Reds because you – I mean, the Reds are better now than they were 24 hours ago. That's a huge plus. Reds fans, be happy. But there was a lot of pressure on the front office to make some moves. And I was saying yesterday that had the Reds front office sat on their hands and did nothing, I would have actually supported that. I would have supported the Reds saying, it is, we are not going to sell the farm to go get some pieces to allow us to make the playoffs and be out in the first round. And then, you know, we gave up prospects for rentals and then they move on because they're not going to pay them anyways. Then you create an even bigger mess heading into next offseason and then the domino effect of them trying to clean up that mess. Or you go all in. And you just take a chance. And I do think a lot of times that that's the situation. You just take a chance. I don't believe the Reds are taking a chance right now. I believe that the Reds made a very smart decision. I believe that some people do owe the front office a little bit of an apology, not saying that they should be forgiven for the, the, the holes that the roster had coming in. But at the same time, I've said this on multiple occasions, every, no team is perfect. Every team you could find three or four glaring holes that will keep them from winning a playoff series or a World Series. And the Reds, shortstop being the issue, bullpen obviously the issue, and I still think there's issues at depth in the rotation. But the biggest address that, or the biggest issue they needed to address, 
is the bullpen. It's unfortunate they don't have a true shortstop, but I don't believe that's what's going to keep them out of the playoffs. What will keep them in or out of the playoffs will be how this new bullpen performs. So kudos to Nick Crawl, kudos to the Castellinis for some of the magic that they've been able to pull off here before the trade deadline on Friday. The Reds also realize the importance of this too because the Reds have traditionally always been trade deadline, Trade deadline centric. They wait till the deadline. I, we, I joked with you before you went on vacation that when my boss asks me to do something and he gives me five days to do it, on the fourth day is when I will begin the project. It's not a great trait of mine. I need it's it's a flaw. But I will tell you, I got through college by pulling. I can't tell you how many all nighters. Ugh, I never did homework during those. the day, but I loved all nighters. I love staying up all night. House is quiet. No one's texting me. No one's bothering me. No one's on social media. It's just a very calm, quiet time. That's how I got through college is doing all my work at night. But it was also doing my work at night the night before it's due. So <laughs> that's how I am, unfortunately. But that's kind of how the Reds were. The Reds would always wait till right to the final second of the trade deadline um, to pull the trigger on something. And that always frustrated me because if Friday at 4 o'clock when the trade deadline hits, if you make a trade at 4 o'clock or at 3.59 on Friday, what was stopping you from making that move five days prior? What was stopping you from making that move two months before? Because my big thing is they've needed bullpen help since April. All of April, all of May, all of June, and here we are heading into the final week of July. So for four months you've had needs and you wait till three days before the deadline to decide to, to fix it. I'm not really complaining too much because it's not just the Reds that do that. It's you know a lot of teams across Major League Baseball, and sometimes you may want to make a trade or move, but other teams aren't willing to move on from pieces yet because they need those three or four months to assess where they are at. But the Cincinnati Reds today, um, I mean, look, I really do like the moves that they made. Look, they added three very good bullpen arms, two very good bullpen, bullpen arms, and a guy that I think that they took a little bit of a chance on. Hopefully they could turn him around. With the trade that they made with... The Colorado Rockies, they were able to get Michael Givens. Givens 3-2 and two on the season with an ERA at 2.73. How many of the bullpen guys do the Reds have right now that their ERA is well over 5? You automatically improved your bullpen. You get Luis Sessa, the right-handed pitcher from the Yankees. 3-1 and one with a 2.82 ERA. Automatically a drastic improvement, cutting the ERA of the other bullpen arms currently in the Reds' bullpen in half. Justin Wilson, a left-handed pitcher, his ERA is at 7.5. Look, I don't necessarily care too much about the ERAs, but it is a good indicator to kind of show you what kind of damage that they are dealing, you know, giving up whenever they go in. You put those numbers up against what the Reds' bullpen currently has, it is night and day different. Are these three arms going to, uh, you know, you put these three arms on any other bullpen in baseball, no one is saying, man, they just got three of the best in baseball. But when you have the worst bullpen in baseball <laughs> and you add these three arms into the bullpen, all of a sudden you've improved drastically. The Cincinnati Reds right now, as we currently sit here, trail uh, the they trail the Milwaukee Brewers by seven games. They are 52 and 49 with the worst bullpen in baseball. By improving drastically with the moves that they just made today and late last night, right now things are looking up because if you're three games above 500 and seven games out of a playoff spot, out of winning the division, I'm sorry, that is humongous because. The main thing, your worst flaw is your bullpen, and that is officially not your worst flaw anymore, and I think that that is good. And I don't think that the Reds are done. I think that the three moves that the Reds just – or the two moves with the three guys they brought in, these two moves that the Reds have made, 
They did that on the cheap side. They didn't have to give up hardly anything. They did absorb some money, but they didn't have to give up anything of significance from the farm system, which means they still have some of those chips if they really do need to go all in to get a Trevor Story. Maybe they go in and get a big-name closer. Maybe the Yankees move on from a Aroldis Chapman. Okay, Maybe um, they, you know, Washington, they're selling guys off left and right right now. Maybe they go and try to reunite with the Glacius. I still think the Reds have one more big move up their sleeve. I don't know if it's a pitcher. I don't know if it's a batter or a hitter or a position player, but I do believe that the Reds are have one more big move up their sleeve. I, I, I don't think you make these moves and just stop. I think that these will complement one big move that's coming, and I am curious what that is. And I am curious if it's going to happen. I would find this very underwhelming if this is the only changes that they made. Because if these are the only three names that they bring in, what this feels like is, happy now? <laughs> and it doesn't feel like, okay, we're going all in. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Reds fans. Does it feel like the Reds just went all in with these moves? I don't feel that way. I feel like... the I will get that vibe if they go get a Trevor Story or a big-name shortstop or if they go get another big-name closer. Then I will tell you, okay, they've gone all in. As of right now at 3.12 this afternoon, I feel like this move is mainly happy. We addressed it. You happy now? And, I, and I'm just curious how this is going to look moving forward. Kev, your thoughts? Uh, the Trevor Story situation, they're going to have to battle the Yankees because they're involved with it as well as the Giants. So... If they really want him, they're going to have to give up something good for him. So what do you think? Because we already know the Yankees will just do whatever because they think every year they should be winning the World Series. So they'll throw whatever they have to to get him. So I'm assuming that he's going to end up with the Yankees because the Yankees get with the Yankees. Who did you ask about again? Trevor Trevor Story. Yeah, and they're looking at a couple different options. And the good thing is is Trevor Story is the name that the Reds were looking at at the All-Star break. Right. Um, That's the name that that the Reds have been associated with. I do still think there's some other options out there. But at the same time, I don't make a move unless it's Trevor Story or a big-name shortstop. You don't just go bring in. If you wanted an average shortstop, you would have signed Freddie Galvis for $3 million after last year. So I don't think you make a move just to make a move. I think you make a move if you have a chance to get a home-run guy. Like, no pun intended, but like... Right. If you can hit a home run with this next trade, um, I think you go get a Trevor Story. It's either Trevor Story or nobody for the Reds to me, mainly because... If you were, if you're going to go bring in just a, an average shortstop at this point, you might as well have kept Freddie Galvis from a season ago. I think that they're they're walking. That would be kind of walking in the wrong direction. I'd rather them go full steam ahead with the combo of, of Farmer, uh, Kyle Farmer, and of course Eugenio Suarez, and just basically shortstop by committee at this point. I think they have enough firepower offensively with the run support. The bullpen's drastically improved now. And hopefully the starters can be more consistent down the stretch. But you're right. The Yankees, they're kind of a wild card here. Yeah, they're they're the team that everybody always takes a look at during free agency because it just seems like the Yankees will be willing to give up more to get what they want. And I wanted to ask you and Reds fans, what's too much? What do you deem is too much for Trevor Story? All right, that's what we're going to discuss. Again, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, the Cincinnati Reds. Three new additions to the bullpen. Left-hand pitcher Justin Wilson, right-handed pitcher Luis Sessa, and right-handed pitcher Michael Givens, again, from the Rockies. Two Yankees pitchers and Givens from the Rockies drastically improves this bullpen. So we'll step away for a few moments. On the other side, I want to open up the phone lines. And, Kev, since you've been gone... Yeah. That's a song, isn't it? What's yes. A- so we got a we got a new, we got a new phone line. Oh, we bet we got we, we, we got a new phone number. I think that's pretty cool. So the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash has a new call-in number 
We're going to be beating this number into your guys' heads. 15, or 518, 1410. Well, you will because I'll, I'll end up saying the old one. Five one <laughs> and the, the old one still technically works for the time being, but that will be taken away soon. So you might as well start using the new one and get used to it. Five And I know how much society loves change and all. So five, and I hate change, and I hate that we changed it, but, you know, we have to do it. 518-1410. 518-1410 is the number to call in. How are you Reds fans feeling regarding the Reds' recent moves, and do you believe that they are done? Do you believe that they are done making moves? Was this the Castellinis and Nick Crawl just saying, here you go. I said, well, you know, you wanted the bullpen fix. We addressed the bullpen. Or do you believe that this is the first of one big move, the first move before a big move to close out the week? 518-1410. That's the number to call in and jump in on the conversation. I want to hear from your Reds fans. 518-1410. We'll take your calls when we come back. The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. So, what's more important? A Marcus by Goldman Sachs loan with no fees that could help consolidate debt or bank coffee that tastes like bank coffee. You can money. Visit Marcus.com to learn more about saving, borrowing, and investing from Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Investing involves risk and investments may lose value. Brokerage and investment advisory services by Goldman Sachs and Company, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Lending and deposits products provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. When the doctor told us about my mom's cancer, it made me feel so helpless until I called the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and spoke with Grace, who answered all of my questions about the disease, treatment options, and cancer-related expenses. Her support and compassion made us feel whole again. Right, the TBT on WING, we're officially done with that. Is, uh, what the hell? Mm. Red Scare, Red Scare and Carmen's crew, their TBT run shorter than we had wanted. Uh, wanted it two games for uh, Red Scare, three games for Carmen's crew. Uh, but, uh, man, UD Arena, they were really counting on Red Scare or Carmen's crew. Get it? UD Arena going to look like the Nutter Center. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. The TBT is one hell of an event. And the Cavelli Center was in a, a perfect venue for, 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 the, for the regional rounds. But, man... I was really looking forward to watching either UD or uh, Carmen's crew out at the arena this weekend. But, man, really good games. Good game last night. So, let's see. It's July. Yep. Since March, I have called two of the most epic collapses that I've ever witnessed live. Thanks, man. Wright State, when I was on the radio call for that back, I believe, in March or February. March, it doesn't really matter. But towards the tail end, you know, the conference tournament, 24-point lead with six and a half, six minutes and 15 seconds to go, and they lose. Mm. 18-point lead for Carmen's crew. I mean, I'm already texting people like, oh, you know, I had people text me, hey, where do we get tickets? Where do we get tickets for, uh, you, you know, UD Arena and Carmen's crew? And I'm like, ah, I jinxed it. Yeah. I jinxed it. it. <laughs> so the curse of the Kinner is real. That's right. Matthew uh, Hedrick on YouTube. He goes, Kinner is bad luck. Kinner is something. Kinner is, uh, <laughs> I don't know what else uh, to tell you. So reacting, of course, the Cincinnati Reds, uh, they, you know, they did what they were supposed to. Seven games back of the division, they had a need. Their need was bullpen, three new bullpen arms, um, and we still have, you know, well over 48 hours before the trade deadline. 
on Friday. I still think that these three moves are the are, are a couple softer moves before one big move. At least I hope that's the case, and I think you as Reds fans hope that's the case as well. So uh, David M. on YouTube, he says, uh, to be honest, I was bracing for them to be sellers in the next couple of days at this point before last night's first domino. Um, and then he said, look at their recent history, Justin. Other than Bauer, what big-name players have they been aggressive and brought in? Well, David, the only reason that they're in position to win this division is because of the big-name players that the front office brought in. That's why I've been kind of... I, I've been very confused as to why fans are, are so hateful towards the ownership because I feel like the ownership put enough pieces in place for this team to be even competitive enough for you to notice that the bullpen is bad. Because since 2014, the bullpen has been bad, the starters have been bad, the lineup has been bad, the defense has been bad, the manager's been okay. Uh, but uh, the only reason you notice how bad the bullpen is is because that is the one thing losing them games now. Not the, not the lineup, not the defense, well, kind of at shortstop. Not, you know, not anything, the bullpen. Had they had this bullpen from the very beginning, they're leading this division. I have no doubt about it. So my big concern or question mark has always been the the weird hatred towards the Reds' front office for being angry at them about the bullpen when my thing is, for the last six years, you haven't even noticed that the bullpen has been bad because the bullpen was bad, the starters have been bad, the lineup has been bad, the defense has been bad. This year, the bullpen's bad, and it's even more noticeable because, man, we have guys that can hit. We have rookies contributing. We have depth in the outfield. We have, you know, decent starters. Wade Miley's been fantastic. We're winning games even with Sonny Gray not being fully 100%, right? Like, Luis Castillo has come and, you know, finally, uh, you know, come back to looking like the Cy Young type pitcher that we were hoping that he was going to look like. The problem is the front, you know, first month of the season, too slow of a start. So, David, when you say things like that, like, well, what other big-name players have they been aggressive and brought in? Beyond just the trade deadline, the only reason that they're in position to win this division anyways is because of some of the strengths they have. They were aggressive, and they did the sign-and-trade with Sonny Gray. All right? They, you know, Luis Castillo was a – well, that wasn't really a part of this uh, taking that next step forward. He was a part of the original rebuild. Uh, but, you know, Trevor Bauer, that was a humongous name that they went and were able to pull off. They tried to bring in Yasiel Puig um, along with, you know, Alex Wood, the lefty from over there. That was their main target. He was just hurt the whole year. The Reds have been extremely – aggressive over the last couple of seasons and going after big names, making big trades, bringing big names in. So, David, I don't understand why you have this, uh, why you're questioning the organization acting as if they haven't brought anybody in. They've brought so many big names in that the only reason you're angry at the organization is because they are only one position away, and that's bullpen. You put a bullpen with what you're getting this season, they're closer to being a team that can maybe make a run in the playoffs. So, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, this, the front office is not Mike Brown bad. Like, this is a good front office. Ah, no, hold on. Rewind. It's not a good front They're They're not a terrible front office. There are, I, I would say, they are, there are 20 front offices, uh, 12 front offices worse. I'd say they're just on the outside of the top 10. They're right in the middle. They're not the best. They're not the worst. But yet, Reds fans talk about this ownership as if it's the worst in baseball whenever they have another ownership group in town that is the worst, one of the worst in the NFL, and yet you sit there and drool over every decision that they make. Cincinnati fans, you guys make absolutely zero sense. So, I like this move. I really, really do like these moves for the Cincinnati Reds. They are better now than they were 24 hours ago. Now, which direction do the Reds go from here? This is the question I asked, and I'm about to go to the phones. 
I had asked mainly, okay, are these three moves, here's how I feel about these three moves. For one, yes, they're better than they were 24 hours ago. But these three moves right now, if the Reds do not make any other moves, it feels like the Castellini said, happy now, we addressed the bullpen. You guys wanted us to address the bullpen here. Fine, we're, we're better now. That's how I feel about it as of right now. Here's how I think I'm going to feel by the end of the week. I think I'm going to feel like this team's going all in. And I think that this team has one more big move left in them. And I think that this was just the beginning. I think, you know, three solid bullpen arms. Maybe they go get a legitimate closer. I don't think the Cubs are going to give up Kimbrel within the division. I'd be very surprised if they do that. But there's still, uh, you can go get Iglesias. You could still go out and get Chapman, too. Uh, you know, you can reunite with one of those two. I mean, you add a Chapman to bookend these three arms you just brought in with Sims, with Antone. Now, all of a sudden, we went from the, the, the joke of the league and when it comes to the bullpen to, man, this is a very, very good bullpen, right? But I do believe there's one more move left in the Reds, and maybe it's Trevor Story. Maybe it's a big-name shortstop. Um, but either way, this team is better now than they were at this point of the show yesterday, and they are much more equipped to complete this seven-game comeback out of the division to win the division or even potentially the wild card. So that's kind of where I'm at Um with that. So 518-1410. Remember, that's the new call-in number for the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. 518-1410. Let's get it going. We got Ed waiting for us. Ed, how are you, sir? Ed. Ed, you there? All right, Ed, give us a call back. We'll get you back to the front of the line. We have some more calls coming in that we'll get to coming up here in just a moment. Uh, but you had asked, too, about you know the Yankees. Um, and, you, you know, how much is too much to go after a Trevor story? The Yankees right now... Look, when you look at the fact, look, they're trying to clear cap space because I think they're going to go after bigger names. They weren't pleased with the bullpen that they had. Right. Like, again, it's so funny because the Reds' bullpen is the worst in baseball. The Yankees have about a middle-of-the-packed bullpen, and they want to make their middle-of-the-packed bullpen a top-ten bullpen. So they got rid of their middle-of-the-packed guys. The Reds take the middle-of-the-packed guys. The Reds feel like they're about to win a World Series with the Yankees' middle-of-the-packed guys. The Yankees felt they were too good to have those middle-of-the-packed guys, and they're rearranging money to go get legitimate arms. Kimbrell will most likely be a Yankee. That's how this works. <laughs> All right. Um, who knows how this is all going to work, but I do find it very interesting um, as far as that goes. And again, the Yankees could also go after Trevor Story as well. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But 518-1410, that's the number you can call in to jump in on the conversation. But very interesting moves from the Cincinnati Reds here in the early going. Three moves that I did not, or two moves, three names that I did not expect them to go after so early in the week. The Reds have a history of waiting till the very last second before pulling the trigger on deals, whether it be trade offers or accepting a trade. So 518-1410 is the new number to call in. Kev, who do we have on deck? We got Donald on the line. Donald, how are you, sir? Welcome. Good. I'm just glad. I'm in my route truck. I hope it's not too loud, but I'm just glad to hear you kind of stick up for old Cancellini. I'm from Cincinnati, uh, Brightville. Originally, I live in a Dayton area now, but I was a union laborer and helped build both the stadiums, the Paul Brown and, and Great American, uh, and just a lot of uh, passion for the game, and I'm glad to hear you sticking up for him. Well, look, I, I don't think that he's perfect, but I also, with the way Reds fans talk about him, I mean, the, the, the hatred spewed his way about this bullpen. I'm thinking the only the bullpen's been bad for a long time. The only reason you're noticing it is because the Castellini's brought in enough talent to fill the voids in the other holes that you're running out of holes to complain about, and this is the most glaring one. So, no, when people question his aggressiveness, I'm like, Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, Nick, uh, Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos. By the way, uh, Nick Castellanos, if he's 
comes back soon and remains healthy, he could be an MVP. Or he is an MVP candidate. That's a guy that the Castellinis brought in. Trevor Bauer won a Cy Young last year. That's a guy that the Castellinis brought in. This idea that the ownership is horrible, I just don't understand it. It's just that they, you know, right now they have to bring the, they help improve the bullpen. We'll see what the people's opinion is about him by the end of the season. Yeah, I agree exactly, and uh, I think they're a, a very exciting team to watch. Or you know, with their hitting, and then especially when Sonny Gray's on or, or the other guys, you know, he's got great movement when, you know, all of them have bad days, but uh, I'm, I'm, it's been a fun season for me, and I hope it keeps going. I hope this, I was so glad to hear him buying, not selling. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I didn't think, you know, I talked about this yesterday. I said everyone keeps saying, man, is this team, are, the, is the, are the Reds going to be buyers or sellers? I said, I don't think they're going to be buyers or sellers. I thought that they would just kind of stand pat. I thought that they would just say, hey, you know, these are the guys we have right now. We're not willing to invest into anything. We want to wait till the offseason to, to take a full uh, glance of the landscape of Major League Baseball and see what's out there. I would have supported that. It wouldn't have been my favorite option, but I would have supported it because not every move is made just for the next three months. It's made big picture. And I think that these moves they made help big picture, and they also help in the immediate future as well. Yeah, I've been a long-suffering fan. Heck, our theme song is a journey song, Don't Stop Believing. So you got, <laughs> you got to keep, keep believing. You can and, replace uh, believing so with drinking. About, How about that? Yeah, it could be worse with the, you know, I'm a long-suffering Bengal fan, too, and with his... What he's done, Mike Brown's done it, nothing compared to... Yeah, so, me, Mike Brown, uh, Castellini, who's the better owner? Oh, Castellini by far. That's there you go. I like you, Ed. Yeah, but I I, uh, I do listen to you. I flip back from WLW because I'm a Cincinnati fan. But uh, I gotta admit, though, on the bias part of you on the on the Browns, sometimes that can you can sound a little childish on there sometimes. But well, hold on, Ed. We had a good thing going. You're Ed, you're cutting out. Fan. Ed, I can't hear you. What? I didn't hear that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'll, I'll let you go. But I, I appreciate you being a fan, and uh, I love your show. Hey, thank you, Ed. You take care. Go there Browns. All right, bye. Go Bengals. I'll give him a who day. I'll give him a who day. He's, I mean, he listens to 700 WLW, the big one, and he actually switches over from that to tune into our show in the afternoon. So he deserves a who day. I will give him a who day. Uh, so who day, who day, who day. I appreciate Ed switching from 700 WLW to tune into the old Justin Kinner show with Kev Nash weekdays from 3 to 6. We so, appreciate uh, you. I do appreciate Ed. So, there you go. Uh, 518-1410. 518-1410. Uh, not Ed. His name's Donald. That I was kept Donald. Him Ed. Yeah. Do we have Ed back? Ed is back. Ed is back. Donald, I apologize. I messed up your name. I called you Ed. I hope I like Ed as much as I like Donald. Ed, hit me. How are you, sir? I hope, I hope so, too. <laughs> How are you? What you got, uh, man? Justin, this is the Ed that gave you the Marty Brenneman tape. Oh, yes, yes, yes. With uh, the, t the Marty Brenneman calls. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, the Reds. I love the way the Reds are playing, but ever since the first of the season, I didn't have, I didn't trust the bullpen. And every time they come in, I just start taking deep breaths when they enter a game. One day they're fantastic. The next day the guy can't hit the plate. So uh, I, I don't know if they're going to make a big deal. Uh, I don't think it would really matter. You know, no, a pitcher would, but I don't think a regular player would. They're pretty tough. They're pretty tough up and down the order. 
No, the Reds are. I, I love their order. I still think they get a little weak at the bottom. This is where this is where yeah. Eugenio Suarez not you know living up to expectations right now is really not hurt this team, but I think it's kept this team from going to that next level. Imagine if Eugenio Suarez was playing up to his potential of what we expected of him, along with Castellanos, and Mike, imagine Mike Mustak is healthy. They're getting so much run contribution despite the fact that Suarez is hitting under 200, despite the fact that Mustakis has been out pretty much all season, and, you know, in spite of the fact that Castellanos, an MVP candidate, uh, has been non-existent since the tra- or since the All-Star break due to injury. So I love what they're doing offensively, and I think they actually have an opportunity to, to be even better once they get Mustakis and, and Castellanos back. So it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. But I do like the bullpen now moving forward. I mean, you're going to get Anton and Sims back oh, yeah. at some point. And Brock has been great. I really am a fan of Brock, and I really like Hembry. You have Hembry, you have Brock from the original bad bullpen, you have Anton and Sims coming back. Now you bring in Luis Sessa, Justin Wilson, and Givens. Now it's a much, this is a, a completely different ball club, but they do need Sims and Antone to come back because I think all of those guys will complement the three guys they just brought in. And Michael Lorenzen's another name, too. This is a revamped bullpen, but they do need to get healthy. They're adding new names, but they need to get healthy. When's he coming back? Lorenzen came back, and then David Bell decided to use his pitcher as an outfielder, and that's where he got hurt. Um, but he has started throwing, and he should be back here in the near future. Whether I mean, there's no, there, I have not come across an official timestamp as far as what they're aiming for, but uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that'll help. I, I just, I love the Reds, win or lose, but I really like this team. It's young guys that really love to. Uh, they love the game. You can watch them, watch them when they get hits and things. There's a lot of excitement in that team. Oh no, they have a personality, and uh, you know we forget yeah. too that Joey Votto uh, hitting two seventy three, which isn't very impressive, but it's impressive considering where he's been hitting the last couple of seasons. Having him, I mean, the power numbers. I don't ever expect Votto to be a power hitter. I just expect him to get on base and you know put the ball in play, advance runners, maybe bring runners in. But his power numbers, I mean, my goodness, good for him. He has like oh, at seventeen home runs. He hasn't had this many in years since two thousand seventeen, and it's only July, about to be August. He still has three months left hopefully right. more if they make the playoffs so I, I really do like all the contributions they're getting you know Joey Votto and Older Day mixed with Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker and I love Jonathan India I'm one of the biggest Jonathan India fans out there in oh, fact I'm going to buy his jersey soon I've been waiting to get a new Reds jersey I agree I think he is very exciting uh, you know the Joey Votto thing is the thing that amazes me uh, you a big Joey Votto fan oh yeah yeah it's cool yeah. seeing him kind of reemerge. I got to meet him. I got to meet him a couple of years ago at FanFest, and he was uh, very open and everything. But I've never seen him smiling like this ever. No, that's what I love because my fear was was that by the time the Reds became competitive again, that the, the that the Joey Votto of old would be just old Joey Votto. And although he is up there in age, we're getting to see him contribute on a good team. Because my concern was, is that after getting the best of Joey Votto on really bad teams, that by the time the Reds became good, that you would just get a very below average Votto and you wouldn't, really wouldn't feel like he's a part of the run. Right now, he is one of the mainstays in that lineup that's helping contribute. And it's cool seeing him play at a high level and contributing to the team's success. Will it last? I hope it it does, but he's been unbelievable since coming off the IL. Uh, but, Ed, I appreciate you calling. Great hearing from you. And uh, th- I, I got some Reds tickets for you. I got your email the other day, so go ahead and shoot me okay. another email as a reminder, and we'll get that all hooked up for you, okay? Hey.
Ed, you there? Oh, no. Ed, shoot me an email, man. I appreciate it. Good hearing from Ed. Ed's a great guy. I appreciate him listening. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Ed, he came in once. He had a Marty Brunneman. It was uh, the best of Marty Brunneman, some of his best calls. So I think he, was, he brought it in on a CD. Really cool. Got to pull some of that off. But, I mean, hearing the passion that Ed has for the Cincinnati Reds, I'm happy for him getting to watch a contending Reds team because, I, you know, so many people are talking about how, you know, we're going on 30 years since they won. Not going on. We're over 30 years since they've won a World Series. I, yes, we would love to see them win the World Series, but I just want to see them first step, get into the dang playoffs. And uh, this team is uh, a joy to watch for a lot of Reds fans, a long-time Reds fans at that. Appreciate Ed, appreciate Donald, and appreciate having the phone lines again. It's great hearing from some of the listeners. 518-1410, that's the new number to call in and jump in on the conversation. 518-1410. We'll be back in a moment. The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Listen, stream, watch. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on Dayton's. I'm Kev Nash. I'm back to work. I mean, they didn't even wait for you to get settled in. I was doing work when I was in Chicago, by the way. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> by the way. Hey, that's that's on you. Oh, so my You're phone too nice. ringing nonstop. You're too nice. Like, people actually get mad at me because when I'm on vacation, I don't re- I respond to you. <laughs> And I'm not even, I, I actually, I'm a, I don't respond, like, when I get text, I, this is always my mindset, when I get a text, I read it, and then I, I, I just read it, and Nora's always on me, she's like, you're not going to respond, I'm like, sometimes I don't view things as needing to respond, I just, I read it, like, oh, they wanted me to see, am I supposed to send back LOL or K, like, eventually someone has to not text back, and someone has to be that guy, so I'm just consistent, <laughs> but my friends hate it. My friends hate it. There was one time I had the nerve to complain that someone didn't text me back, and my buddy said, he goes, I might. If my leg wasn't hurting, get up and just go slap the hell out of you because you are the worst person at texting back. I don't text people back. Not to be rude, or I'll do the I'll respond days later because then oh that's the worst that's even worse. But like I always say, you know, hey, I got your well. A lot of times, and I'm telling you what, our salespeople do it all the time, and my friends do it all the time, and I don't know who I get more mad at for doing it because my salespeople should know we're on the air from three to six, and our friends should know we're on the air from three to six. Sure. But it does seem that the only time that my friends or salespeople want to talk to me is weekdays from three to six p.m. Hey, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. I know you're on the air, but but what? I'm on the air. What do you want? Like, and then they say, "Well, you didn't text me back." Well. <laughs> Anyways, all right, so the Reds have been busy here uh, just days ahead of the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which is a breath of fresh air. The Reds, you know, I thought about it. With the names that they just added today, and, and I again, I'm a big fan of the names that they added. Again, they add they bring in Sessa from the Yankees. Uh, you know, Justin Wilson came with them as well. They got a righty and a lefty to add to the bullpen, and then Givens. I mean, that was a that was a surprise. I think that was a pretty that was a very solid get between Sessa and Givens. Very very solid there. But if you if you picture a completely healthy bullpen for the Reds, you have Michael Lorenzen, T.J. Antone, uh, Sims. Brock has emerged as a good, solid go-to guy in this bullpen. I really do like Brock. And then Hembry has been. I mean, I watched Hembry over the weekend, and I know that he kind of gave up a run the other night. But, look, Hembry's being overused a lot of times, too, or at least I don't say overused. But I think that when his flaws are – his his when he gives up a run – 
I mean, that's going to happen. No bullpen arm is going to be perfect, but sometimes when the even good bullpen arms give up a run within a full bad bullpen, they just they look bad with the rest of the class. To where now when Brock or Hembry and these guys, they don't have the best performance, it's not going to be as much pressure on them because there's better names around them. You know, Michael Lorenzen, TJ Antone, Sims, Amir Garrett, still hold my breath with Amir Garrett at times, but Amir Garrett is solid when you have pieces around him, and then Brock and Hembry. I really do. And then with Wilson, Sessa, and Givens, and maybe they go get a legitimate closer. Maybe they bring in Iglesias. Maybe they bring him back. Maybe they get Chapman. Who knows? But I'm excited about the moves, and as I joked earlier, I'm excited about our new phone line. We have phone lines now. <laughs> 518-1410. is the new call-in number so that we can hear everyone's uh, voices and get your opinions on everything we're discussing as well. We went a whole summer just you having to stick to listening to Kevin and I. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. I can't stand listening to Kevin. And Kev does everything he can to not talk to me during the day because he knows he has to talk to me for three hours. So now we get to talk to you all. 518-1410. Your thoughts on the Reds' uh, activity here ahead of the trade deadline. Let's go to Tim. Tim, how how are you, sir? Welcome. Hey, first of all, uh, congratulations. You might want to thank Thomas Edison for the phone lines. That's awesome. Uh, right? I mean, my, we, we had these soup yeah. cans, and I kept, I kept trying to figure out how are we going to get these soup cans to everyone out there on the highway driving around the 937, right? Like, <laughs> you know, what, what, what concept, though, to have a call-in show with a phone? It's who would have who, who would have thunk it? I don't even like listening to me talk, so I can't imagine. I feel I appreciate that you guys stuck around, so thank you for that. So, <laughs> guys, hey, anyway, the reason why I'm calling is I think it's about time we get rid of Dave Kingman at third base. <laughs> Look, see, we got the bullpen. I mean, now we're going to move on to the next thing, right? Like that's just how this is going to work. You know, there's an old saying: the experiment has failed. I mean, I don't think this is a failed experiment. I think that this was a, th- there was a hell, I thought that they got Suarez really cheap on the extension. Suarez nearly hit 50 home runs. I mean, he was great. And then now it's just, it's, I don't know if it's a failed experiment. Tim, do, what do you, I mean, do you view it as a, an experiment? Because I think that he, I thought, you, I thought we figured him out. I thought we knew who he was. And then all of a sudden we're talking about this drought that he's on. And then the next thing you know, it's kind of no longer a drought, unfortunately. I just think it's who he is. I don't know. I, if I'm the Reds and someone offers something for him, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be too committed to him. I would move him if someone's willing to take him and give something up. Oh, I, I, I'll tell you one thing. If I owned a team, I'd take him right now. I'd give you a 12-pack of Pat. Oh, PBR, huh? I like your style. Hey, as my old coach said in, in uh, Hamilton, you can hit a hog in the butt with an eight. With, well, won't say exactly what he said, but he couldn't hit a hog in the butt with a bass fiddle. Hog in the butt with a bass fiddle. There's some room for mispronounced words in there, I tell you that. Much. <laughs> I, well, let's just say a lot of tobacco, but um, it is uh, happy though. Tim, 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 we're going to cut you off. Uh, Nothing personal. We just, you're cutting out so much. If you can call back, I know, I mean, the phone system, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) but uh, call us back, Tim. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, You seem like an entertaining guy, and I'd love to hear your opinion, your thoughts on what the Reds have just done. Uh, Tim, give us a call back. You're just cutting out a lot. That's all. Give us a call back, 518-1410. Dick A, how are you, sir? It's been a while. Dickie? Dickie? Dickie bounced. Did you hit the button? Dickie yeah. got impatient and left? Bounced on us, bro. Huh. Interesting. All right. Good stuff. Everyone's still on hold. We appreciate it. We'll get to your calls coming up here around the corner. NFL training camp kicked off today.
Clap it up. I forgot. So when we did all those over-unders with Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> well, I, I honestly kind of flip-flopped so much. I don't even remember what my original take was on the Aaron Rodgers thing. I can't remember if I'm supposed to dislike him or not. No. Uh, Aaron Rodgers lost. I believe he, he lost in this situation. When you want something and don't get your way, that means you lost. Now, what? He wanted traded. He didn't get traded. The only other alternative was to sit out and lose millions of dollars, and he chose the one that's going to make him money. He's not stupid. He's stubborn, but he's not stupid. Uh, but he lost. You know, we are so – now in, in today's sports landscape, when a player throws a temper tantrum, he gets what he wants. I was at Walmart the other day in line, this horrible mother, because I like to judge parents, and I don't have kids, and I'm that guy, uh, because I have all the answers. If I ever had kids, my kid would never cry. My kid would never be bad, right? Like, I, I, I'm the most perfect person ever. I'm in line at Walmart, and this kid – kid is throwing a temper tantrum because you know he wants candy and the mom's like you're not getting candy you're not getting candy he he lets out this blood curling scream and the next thing you know the little jerk got candy <laughs> and i'm like what the hell it was like watching the packers and aaron Rodgers in front of me except aaron Rodgers didn't get the candy aaron Rodgers, uh, the, the green bay packers front office said you're not going to get candy. You just wait till we get home. When we get home, oh my gosh, you're going you're to go live with your. He, they tried to ship him out. They, you know, they, they they threatened. Look, he didn't get his way, so he lost. Now, when you lose and you return to a situation where you're making decent money and have a chance to win a Super Bowl, I think what I'm trying to say here is is that so all this crying was for nothing. Number one wide receiver, thousand yard running back, top offensive lines, solid enough defense, favorite in the division. I've uh, been to NFC title game two of the last three years. Aaron Rodgers still wanted out. He didn't want more money. They tried to make him the highest-paid quarterback in football. He didn't want that. He turned that down. He had to return because if not, he was going to lose a lot of money and not be able to play this year. He lost. You keep doing this side little look. Well, explain yourself. Well, the number one winner in this whole situation is Devontae Adams. <laughs> That's for sure because he is in the last year of his contract. He'll be a free agent next year. I'm sure his numbers are going to be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers than uh, Jordan Love. So he's the number one winner in this whole situation. Then becomes the Green Bay Packers organization because, you know, they're in Super Bowl contention. It's every Green Bay Packers fan is happy right now because they know now, all right, we got a chance to win the Super Bowl. But I don't think necessarily that Aaron Rodgers lost. He's still in a situation of power because he got partially what he wanted. He got the leverage and now he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season and he gets paid this year and he regardless of what happens next year he'll get paid so to say he doesn't want to play next year he still gets paid for that so he is he has a chance to walk next year according to everything that adam Schefter was talking about today I've, I've been information overload because i didn't watch any sports the entire vacation so today was like i was trying to catch up on everything so i may have my signals crossed but according to what i was understanding is that he'll be a free agent at the end of next season and he'll be able to pick his own destination and he'll get paid either way okay but, getting that right or wrong is, but is no that no, what, no. Is that like, what he said that is what's happening okay. i agree with you now that's not i mean yes that's and yes, I'm confirming that's the case. Now, the reason I say he didn't win is because in today's sports landscape, when the athlete wants something, there's no wiggle room. They get it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. It's give it to me or I'm out. And they don't play nice with the team. It's their way or no way. The team called his bluff because the team was like, look, we're, 
you know, if you don't play this year, we're going to lose no matter what. And if we if we trade you, we're going to lose no matter what. And if you, you know, we don't trade you and you opt not to play, we're going to lose no matter what. So we might as well not give up our power to you. Now, what the Packers wanted was a way to be able to come together and come up with a solution to the problem. And the solution to the problem is is that there's not going to be a solution to keep him around long term. They need him for one more year to kind of get, look, last year at camp, they didn't get a true feel for who Jordan Love is. Now they get a full training camp. They get a full preseason to be able to work him in and out of. Uh, they're going to get a, what they got was time. And I think that that's more valuable than the money that Aaron Rodgers is going to get because in that time, we see how quickly the quarterback landscape changes in the NFL. New opportunities can present themselves, whether it be through free agency uh, or, you know, assets. You know, you're going to be keeping an eye on the college football landscape because at the same time, Aaron Rodgers, if he wants out and there's a way to move him and they get some pieces in return, great. Now they're, they're suited that way. I do think that this was... A better situation for Aaron Rodgers, who did, came back and was willing to at least meet them halfway uh, and find a softer landing. But no, the, in the NBA, that's not happening. <laughs> in the NBA, you know what I mean? Like in baseball, that doesn't happen either. When they, those guys want something, they get it. And I just think that the the if you ask me who I really think won, I don't think the Packers won, Kev. I don't think Aaron Rodgers won. I think that the NFL won. NFL ownerships around the league won. Right? Like, because I think that's why ownerships in baseball get so mad whenever a team caves and gives a right. player max money. Because they're like, what are you doing? Now we have, now everyone, that you've ruined it for everyone else around the league. When a team caves to a player's demands, and that's how owners view it, when teams cave to owners or players' demands, now they have to cave to right. their, the next time they're in a negotiation war, they have to cave. Otherwise, it's that or nothing. Now the next player that's going to try and play hardball with their team, it's going to be easier for the ownership of those teams to say, hey, look, the Packers stood up to Aaron Rodgers, and there's not a whole lot of quarterbacks that are above Aaron Rodgers, so you're beneath Aaron Rodgers. So if they're not afraid, <laughs> if they're not afraid of Aaron Rodgers, I'm not afraid of you. So, Andrew, well, look, we're going to dive more into that coming up in hour number two. We caught up with uh, Jay Morrison, a Bengals beat writer with The Athletic. I caught up with him just a few days ago. NFL training camp kicking off today. He had a lot of interesting behind-the-scenes uh, takes on kind of what's going on heading into camp, heading into the 2021 season. Uh, Joe Burrow, how much are they going to utilize Joe Burrow in camp? He caught up with Mike Brown. Mike Brown, the owner, caught up with, or, you know, addressed the media for the first time since 2019. A lot of really good stuff from Jay Morrison. We have that coming up next, and then we'll get back into the Reds conversation. I see a lot of Red stuff and messages coming in. Um, real quick, nope, I got to be patient. I'll get back into the red stuff coming up in a moment, but I am excited about that. Hour two coming up next. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Here on 1410 ESPN Radio, the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. NFL training camps officially getting underway today, and of course, that's pretty much what all sports media shows are today. It's it's either radio sound bites of press conferences, or if you're watching a show, it's it's clips of guys walking into camp. If you're on social media, it's pictures of guys walking into camp, and I can't tell you how excited I am about that. But Bengals camp officially underway today as well. Earlier uh, this week, just a few days ago, we had Jay Morrison on. Jay Morrison covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the Athletic. We discussed the outlook for the Cincinnati Bengals heading into the 2021 season. Joe Burrow officially healthy and ready to go. Jay Morrison was able to catch up with Zach Taylor, the head coach, as well as Mike Brown, the owner. And he was able to bring us some insight as far as what he took away from those conversations. Also, the Ring of Honor. The inaugural class was officially announced. Ken Riley, Ken Anderson will join Anthony Munoz and Paul Brown as the Seasons, or I should say as the franchise's inaugural ring of honor, 
is officially complete. A lot of great takeaways here. Here's our conversation with Bengals beat writer Jay Morrison from earlier in the week. Jay Morrison with The Athletic covers the Cincinnati Bengals hanging out with us today. Jay, we appreciate your time. I hope you had a good weekend. How are you today? I'm doing great. I had a great weekend. It was the wife's birthday. It was kind of like the big bash. Now, today was almost like the first day back to school. The, the summer is over for NFL beat writers. First day back to school. And how is uh, Mr. Brown, Mr. Mike Brown, doing? You guys got to meet with owner of the Bengals today, Mike Brown. What was that press conference like? I'm sure there was uh, a ton to dive into as it's been a while since you guys have had the chance to sit in front of him. Yeah, it's been about two years since he's spoken publicly. Um, it was good. It was a, from our standpoint, it was a lot like years past. It was a little different for the TV guys. You know, they weren't pinning lavalier mics on him. Everybody had to kind of keep their distance. And uh, he's, I think he's 86 now. So the the hearing is the hearing plus masks made for a little bit of a challenge. He just asked people to pull their masks down and speak up when asking questions. And um, it was good. He didn't really break any news. Uh, he did allow that he's not a big fan of free agency and wishes it was still the the day where you sign a guy and keep him forever. <laughs> so um, that, I don't think that surprised a lot of people. But yeah, he was um, he. he he is uh, very excited. Uh, says that he thinks that this offensive line is going to surprise a lot of people, and that that may have been the, the most newsworthy thing he said. I I don't know if I agree with him, but that's uh, that's the position they're in right now. Is this this offensive line better surprise some people? Now this is it. Look, heading into year two with Joe Burrow, it, it's not like back in the day when you draft a rookie quarterback and it feels like you have like a you know you have four years to turn it around. It just seems like the expectations are you get a one year wiggle room window uh, to to win or lose with him as a rookie, and then year two, not that you're expected to win a Super Bowl, but you are expected to take a gradual large step, right? So what is the what is the expectations like as far as where the Bengals are at? I saw you know your coverage of the press conference today, and you know talking with Zach Taylor as well. It doesn't sound like this is a team hoping to just take a few steps forward here in year two with Joe Burrow. It's a team that's going all in, and they spent a lot of money in the offseason. They feel like they made the right decisions in the draft and, and some of the names that they targeted. What's a real, what, what is their realistic expectations heading into this year in a division that is pretty tough when you have the Browns and Ravens and even a Steelers team that may not be a typical Steelers team from years past, but you can never rule them out? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to say it, but I think they feel like they can compete for a playoff spot. I, I think that's probably the thought every year. Uh, you, you would maybe be in the wrong business if, if you didn't think you you could at least be competitive and win. Um, I, I think they're realistic enough to know that, that maybe they're a year away from having something really special. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of optimism that with the, the moves they made, um, in free agency, the, the the decisions they made in the draft, uh, getting it all starts and ends, like you said, with Joe Burrow getting that guy back healthy. Zach Taylor declared him 100. percent Said that he's capable of doing. He's been cleared to do everything in in training camp, and that that starts Wednesday with the first practice uh, in OTA, OTAs. It was kind of kid gloves. They they didn't put him under center. They didn't even put running backs in the backfield because they didn't want any kind of slip up where somebody would cross you know mix up feet with him or trip him or anything like that 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 all goes out the window now he's it's gonna be 11 on 11 joe burrow under center regular offense and he's gonna um test the confidence he has in that knee with traffic around him he's not gonna have a live pass rush or anything and we're probably not gonna see him in preseason games but um it, it's gonna look it, it's gonna you're we're gonna see progress from what we saw in otas to what we see him doing in training games 
Now, look, the offensive line always the the main point of conversation when it comes to this team, mainly due to the fact that it's the biggest concern, or at least one of the bigger question marks. I know that they addressed it. You know, they had Riley Reef in the offseason, of course, and then they get Carmen Jackson, uh, Jackson Carmen, I'm sorry, in the draft. And, you know, then recently they went ahead and they've added, you know, a couple names as well over the last week or two. What is why now do they add a couple of these names? I know there were some concerns about Trey Hopkins. I know some of those rumors have been put to rest. That it sounds like everyone, at least from the offensive line standpoint, Jay is very healthy heading in. That these moves were just done for death purposes. Uh, what can you speak on about that? Yeah, that's that, that's what they are, and, and you, they have sixteen man practice squads again. So you know you you have guys that that you're using as camp bodies in training camp to just kind of take some of the the workload off of some guys, and if they show well, you keep them around on the practice squad and continue to develop them. But none of these, none of these guys that they're working out today or that they've signed recently are, are going to be in the mix for, you know, starting jobs. Obviously, they they may not even be come in play when it comes time for the, the final fifty three. But you know, Trey Hopkins was not on one of the injured. He wasn't on physically unable to perform. That that means he's he's good to go when he tore his ACL in the final game last year which was January. That's amazing that he's ready already. But you, by at the same to- time, you don't want to throw him in there and give him 100% of the reps of, of what he would normally be if he was coming off a healthy offseason. you, you got to be smart with these guys. So any time in camp, I, I think we might see him out a wide receiver or two also. And it doesn't mean that those guys are going to compete for the 53, but it's just to, to take some wear and tear and, and off the, the legs of the wide receivers and we all know what, what summer's like in southwest Ohio. Those practices can be brutal. The, the more bodies you can get out there and kind of space out the workload, the better. Uh, one big announcement, too, that was made recently was the extension for Sam Hubbard. Four years, $40 million extension. I think that was kind of, I mean, everyone was ex- expecting that. But, again, just more attention being given to that defensive side. I mean, when you look at the money that they've spent on the defensive side of the ball the last two years, that's clearly the side that they're feeling like, look, even with some of the question marks at a lot of other positions, even on the offensive side, defense is where they're going to turn this around the quickest. Uh, you know, just speak on what this move means for the franchise moving forward. I know Zach Taylor had nothing but, but praise for Sam Hubbard, obviously, otherwise they wouldn't have given him this extension. Yeah, not just Zach, but Mike Brown, uh, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator. I mean, since the day, even going back to the Marvin Lewis regime, since, since Sam Hubbard got here, he has been just a model player he, he he does everything the right way he he doesn't have an off switch he is constantly going hard um they love everything about him and he has really stepped into that leadership role and that that gets noticed in a locker room when when you draft a guy and see him do everything right and you reward him with a big four-year 40 million 40 million dollar contract it, it lets guys know that hey if i work hard i do things right they're going to take care of me here um, I, I think we're going to see Sam Hubbard be a captain this year. And it was really, you know, it, it's a great deal for him, but he's not resetting the market for defensive ends. It, it just made sense for the Bengals, made sense for Sam. The, the big piece now is Jesse Bates. Where do they sign him? Is, is he going to be, by the time this training camp is over, is he going to be the highest paid safety in the league? Um, I, I think that's his goal. I think the team knows that's what they're, that's what they're going to have to do to keep him. Um, that's that's going to be the one. I think the, the Sam Hubbard one was a kind of a rubber stamp. The Jesse Bates extension is going to be the one that's going to really be interesting to follow over the next six weeks. 
Now, again, I mentioned all the money that they've spent on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the expectations for that defense are to be vastly improved. I know, uh, you know, so much attention is given to the offensive woes or the offensive line woes, but defensively, this team has not really had a whole lot to brag about over the last uh, few seasons. The expectations for the defense heading into this season is is what? I know all the attention's on the O-line and Joe Burrow, but the, deal, the, the defensive expectations are what, in your opinion, heading into this season? Well, improvement for sure. I, I think it's the... Lou Anaruma pointed it out today that you know like the last couple of years they've been so thin on defense that when you when you put a certain package on the field the offense knows exactly what you're going to do and and they've got to a point now where they've got guys who are not only better players but are more versatile and, and they can they can throw things. you can keep the same guys on the field and throw different looks at the offense and and that you're really kind of playing from ahead if, if you're able to do that. So that's what he's most excited about. It, it's still not a super deep defense. They have improved the starting lineup. So it's going to come down like it does a lot of seasons to help keeping these guys healthy, particular, particularly the inter- internal pass rush. I mean, DJ Reader, 100%. They signed Larry Ogunjobi from Cleveland. Great. That, those are two great defensive tackles, but you don't have much behind that. And, and one of the guys they were counting on the rookie seventh-round pick, Wyatt Hubert, is out for the year with a torn pec. So that's that's really a position. That's another one I think that we may see them sign a, a player or two from um, just to add some more bodies in camp because they, they are thin along that defensive line, especially internally defensive line. But, but pass rush and improved coverage in the secondary, those are the, the two big things that they need to, to, to move forward this year. The linebackers kind of are what they are. But it's the D-line and the DBs is where that's going to carry this defense. Jay Morrison covers the Cincinnati Bengals for the Athletic, hanging out with us here today on the Justin Kidder Show, uh, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Jay, you know, you mentioned Zach Taylor earlier. Um, you know, Zach's in an inter- Coach Taylor's in an interesting position kind of heading into this season. You know, we talked about it. What are the expectations? You know, it's not Super Bowl or winning this division, but obviously, you know, address, you know, incre- you know, increasing the wins, you know, being more competitive, winning some ball games. On a scale of 1 to 10, as far as job security goes, where, where would you rank his job security heading into this season as far as expectations to succeed wherever that bar is for what they would consider a successful season? You know, I put it in the the five or six range. I don't think he's on a super hot seat because let's face it, they've been so bad the last couple of years. You can go out and play 500 this year and everybody's like, okay, look, it's not what we wanted, but you're, you're moving in the right direction. So he's got that kind of leeway where he, he doesn't have to have the super year this year to show improvement. And the other big thing with him is Joe Burrow is 100% behind Zach, Burrow, Zach Taylor. And that, that might be the most important thing of all. If, if, if Joe Burrow endorses the guy, even if things, you know, just show minimal improvement this year, I think it gets him another year. If, if you've got the, the quarterback and the head coach on the same page, which it, it has always been since Joe got here, I think that's the big thing. The, 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 the one thing that people need to be worried about, particularly people in the Zach Taylor household, is a slow start. If this team gets off to a one and four start, one and five, and, and things are going really south and, and everybody's in that here we go again mode, that's when I think maybe you could see a change. But uh, beyond that, I think this team's going to be around 500, and I think Zach Taylor's going to be back next year. 
So on the offensive side, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, T. Higgins, Boyd, you know, the addition to Jamar Chase, there's a lot of uh, optimism about what this offense is going to look like. They address the offensive line uh, to the satisfactory of some, not others uh, heading in. But uh, with that being said, what about the run game? Because there's so many other areas of focus that we don't, uh, you know, pay much attention to the fact that, you know, you look at Mixon and his recent struggles. Are those recent struggles due to the O-line, due to injuries, uh, regression since being paid? I mean, what would you, uh, what are the pressures on him? heading into this upcoming season and uh, anything any talk that's been made about his contributions uh, throughout your meetings with Zach Taylor or Mike Brown yeah they're they're expecting a huge year from from Joe Mixon um he, he obviously was held to what five and a half games last year uh, he was on pace to have career numbers in terms of targets and catches I think we're going to see that continue he's going to be a big part of the passing game not just the running game but you know, you talk about free agency and all the guys and all the money they spent free agency this offseason and last offseason, but maybe the single most important signing they made was Frank Pollock and bringing him back as the offensive line coach. Joe Mixon was ecstatic when they announced it, the, the offensive linemen that were here in 2018 when, when Frank Pollock was here for Marvin Lewis's last year were fired up. They love playing for Frank. Um, he's got all kinds of experience in this league. Um not only as an offensive line coach himself, but as an assistant offensive line coach working under some very good line coaches. They've, they've given him the, the position of run game coordinator. Uh, I think his presence might be the single most important one this year um, if you're talking about new additions. Now, maybe not Jamar Chase, maybe not some of the, the offensive, the rookies that they drafted, but in terms of free agency and, and the new signings, um, I think Frank Pollock is really going to make a big difference with this team, especially in the run game. All right, Jay, last thing on your way out here. Uh, to no surprise, you look at the ring of honor. I think everyone, or at least the, the favorites, were Ken Riley and Ken Anderson. Those ultimately were the two that were added to the inaugural ring of honor class with Anthony Munoz and Paul Brown. Uh, just, Do you know any more information as far as what the plan is for the ring of honor moving forward as far as it, is it going to be for every year? Uh, but also just comment on the, on the two names that were selected in the voting process by uh, the season ticket holders. Yeah, we don't know yet. They, they, they don't know yet. If they're going to do two per year, four per year, if they're going to, you know, see if in a certain year if it warrants to, you know, maybe if they limit it to two next year and the fan vote isn't what they'd hoped for, maybe they make good four the year after that. I think it's in flux, but I, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised even if Chad Johnson had gotten more votes if they would have just kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. It, I mean, it had to be Ken Anderson and Ken Riley. That that those guys are on the cusp of the Hall of Fame that they're doing this to honor the greatest players in franchise history. Um, it, I just think it, it wouldn't have been the best look to have Chad Johnson leapfrog either one of those guys. It's already just a tragic shame that Ken Riley's not going to be with us to, to enjoy that on, on September 30th and seeing his name up there. You know, he, you know he, for people listening that don't know, he, he passed away last June. Um, Ken Anderson's in great health as far as we know, but you just never know. And, and so to, to honor these these older guys, the ones that kind of built the foundation of this franchise, was the right way to go. If it was a legitimate vote, then kudos to the season ticket holders. You did a great job. But uh, even if Chad had more votes, I, I think the organization still would have said, okay, 
Ken and Ken were the ones that the, the fans picked. Jay Morrison covers the Bengals for the Athletic. I appreciate him hanging out with us here today. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jay Morrison ATH. Again, Jay Morrison with the Athletic at Jay Morrison ATH. Give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, one of the best out. Five thousand dollars sign on bonus. Home did. Here's an idea. How about we combine them all together and give you a chance to win a free. Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye. (laughs) Unless you're Tate Martell. Tate Martell, once a Buckeye, once a Miami Hurricane, is now a rebel. A rebel without a team. Well, he now has a team. UNLV. I'm coming So he's on his third... And they were one of the original teams to recruit him. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, everyone thought that's where he was going to go. So UNLV is uh, where he is now, and uh, we'll see what happens there. Now, I wonder what the approach, I mean, is he going to be a quarterback? And then when he went to Miami, I mean, first of all, I've never seen a guy so cocky fall on his face so hard in my life. And I'm not rooting for that to happen. By the way, I actually liked Tate Martell. I just wasn't a fan of the, the uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, let's let's put it this way. Um, Schlop, if you don't care about Tate Martell, just turn the channel. I'm not, I'm not dealing with you today. God, you are the most annoying human being on the face of the earth. <laughs> My gosh, not even two seconds in, and you chime in. Who, who, you know, why does anyone care about Tate Martell? I don't know what to tell you on that. It's headline to me. It's a headline to Kev. It's a headline to a lot of people on social media. So, anyways, I don't even know where the hell I was going. Oh, so <laughs> Tate Martell. I liked Tate Martell. I actually didn't, like when he started doing the chirp into Justin Fields, I thought that was interesting just because Justin Fields was coming to your team. Like, it's one thing if you chirp um, and and all that, but like, had he been able to actually like win the job and stick around and actually beat out Justin Fields for the job, then that would have been one of the most like famous cockiest moments ever, right? right. Like, uh, but to then not only leave the after chirping to Justin Fields, don't swing and miss the second time. He swings and misses the second time. Then he goes to Miami and swings and misses the third time. Disappears for a while. Then there's drama between his mom and the and the girlfriend, and they're going at each other on social media, blaming each other for why he's not playing football anymore. Then we don't hear from him for a while. Then he's playing tight end. Then he's playing wide receiver. Then he's playing some quarterback in a big bowl game uh and there you go so i uh, now he's with unlv it's have situation. i told you how chris schlopp is the most annoying human being on the face of the earth i could tell you were about to go back there that's why i didn't say anything because i saw your eyes dip down <laughs> to no. the computer <laughs> i hope his kids don't follow what he does on social media because he's it's it's real like i uh, it's it's strange to me how he acts on social media yeah i went there i don't care i don't care <laughs> like he's pathetic it, it really is annoying so I don't care. You know, we sit there and talk all this stuff about, you know, having to, to be nice to people and all that. And I could say it's sunny out and he will say it's dark out just to, just to argue. That's what he does. He's a troll. He's a horrible human being and I can't stand him. And I've blocked him on everything and he somehow keeps finding a way to jump in on the comment section. Anyways, yes, I'm in one of those moods now. This coffee, you know, I found out you could add espresso shots to these and like now I'm like, yeah, it is awesome. Yeah. I don't even know what I that is. I heard, last day that I was here before vacation. They, they gave me the mixed, wrong order. Mixed up your order. <laughs> <laughs> and you were charged up. You were bouncing off the walls. I see you like that drink. Yeah, I've had. I this is my second one today. So <laughs> I don't even know what it is or what it does. Uh, I you make. I used to make fun of people who ordered like coffee like that, but I got the wrong order last week. And since then, I'm like a humongous fan. It was the worst wrong order, or it was the best worst. It was the best wrong order I've ever gotten in my life. I have two of these a day. It's good for the old heart. I hear. <laughs>
But I'm, I'm actually in a good mood. I really am in a good mood. The Reds are making moves. Training camp's officially underway. Uh, high school football kicks off in less than a month. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm pumped up about everything. We're heading into the fall. Ohio State's all, you know, not too far off in the distance. The first NFL uh, preseason game uh, is what a week from tomorrow. Yep. So I'm, and that's your Steelers and my other team, the Cowboys, my my, my side piece. Uh, <laughs> actually, are the Browns my side piece or are the Cowboys my side piece? I'm not really sure. It depends. Hold up. Wh- whichever team is better is my go-to, and yeah. the team that's worse is my side piece. And I I, I feel like the Browns are my 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 A one. Well, when I met you, you said you were a Cowboys fan. They were better then. (laughs) The Browns are 0-16 not too long after I met you, so there's that. Yeah, as for Tate Martell, you know, obviously, man, I, I... This whole situation with him, and I keep going back to the documentary uh, QB1 that I watched on Netflix. His arrogance, his... You know, when, when, when things are in your favor... It's called swag. Oh, yeah. We were talking Tate Martell. My yeah, bad. You're fine. You're <laughs> the fine. The espresso. <laughs> when when things are going your way, it's called swagger. You know, it, it's you're you're on your on your game. You're a leader and everything like that. People follow you. When things aren't going your way, you're obnoxious and you're a crybaby and a whiner. So the there's a very thin line between there. Obviously, the way he left Ohio State wasn't ideal. I mean, it wasn't anything that had any type of, you know, off the field drama. It was just a situation where Ohio State and Coach Day thought, you know, that Justin Fields was going to be a better quarterback than him. And, you know, Ohio State is all about winning and improving the room no matter what and bringing competition and everything like that. And Tate Martell decided he didn't want to be a part of that competition and bounced, which is, you know, his right. But then he goes down to Miami. And that's where I have a bigger problem with it. The, the whole Miami thing for me was a lack of effort just from my standpoint. You know, I just view it as, you know, all right, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home almost. You know, I, I'm a person that believes that transfer portal is needed and necessary and fair for athletes. But it does come a point where guys start just bouncing around trying to find a home and it's just not working out for them. And in this case, hopefully him going back home to Las Vegas does work out for him. Hopefully he'll be able to see the field and play some football because, I mean, think about it. Like, he hasn't played football consistently since his senior year of high school. That's a long time ago. You know, he redshirted his first year at, at almost at Rice State. He redshirted his first year at Ohio State, got in some mop-up duty um, as a redshirt freshman and everything like that then Fields comes in he transfers yeah. can't beat out Nicosi Perry down there in Miami and then Miami brings in De'Aaron King we all know you weren't going to beat out De'Aaron King De'Aaron King's down there so they try to move the slot receiver and everything like that obviously that's not working out for him so now he's transferring to UNLV it just seems like he's a, almost like a nomad like just trying to find a landing spot and I mean like everything leading up to this like these type of things are you can see him coming a mile away. You can see this coming a mile away. When I don't want to like put people in like this whole bubble of like, oh man, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. You're a kid, you shouldn't do that. But it's just like I got that feeling from watching that documentary with him being uh, committed to Texas A&M and then Oregon and eventually Ohio State. And it's just like. You know, it it was just a whole whirlwind for him. And for kids like that, 
that get caught up in this hype machine that are involved with this whole recruiting thing and loving the spotlight and everything like that. Like you talked about, neither one of us are parents, but it's vital for parents to be involved to keep their kids level-headed because this thing can, can swallow you up like fame and you know being verified on twitter you and i may think it's goofy and people that's older than us may think being verified on twitter and instagram and people from all over the world liking your pictures and comments and everything like that but when things don't go your way all that love you were getting is going to turn into what people deem as hate or ridicule and everything like that so I hope the best for him, man. I hope the best for him. I hope that he was doing his part when he was at Ohio State and in Miami in the classroom, you know, taking advantage of this education he was getting. So because it ain't looking like this whole football thing is going to work out. So I hope he takes advantage and gets a good education. Yeah. And, and look, at the end of the day, my thing is this. like Ohio, Imagine Ohio State history had urban not because I'm not convinced Justin Fields ends up at Ohio State if Urban's there. I agree, um, and I don't think it would be Justin Fields not wanting to play for Urban Meyer. I think it would be a matter of I don't know if Urban Meyer would have aggressively pursued him. Um, Urban is a is a guy that if he recruits you and, her, and you're his guy, um, I felt I, I think he would have stuck it out with with, with Martell. Right? Yeah, like, I think who, so. Who too. else was in that room? Um, it was deep. Remember, it was deep in that room. Um. At but we all time. just assumed he was next in line. Yeah, but like because I can't remember. Why can't I remember who was behind? Because he was behind Haskins and Joe Burrow. Yeah, but so but but yeah, not, and that I knew. But I mean, like that season. So Ryan Day's first year. What was the quarterback room? I they had to get the backup from Kentucky. First first year was Gunner Hills. No, no, I know that. So that's what I'm saying. So oh, Justin you mean Fields. Going, yeah, yeah. Like if if Fields never came, who was going to be like the spring? Yeah. Game? So if, if it was going to be him. It was going to be him. That's what I'm saying. So, like, that would have been him. They had to bring in Gunnar Hoke to be the backup. Right. And then there was another guy. I can't remember his name, but they had Gunnar Hoke. So, yeah, Burrow. Light on scholarships, yeah. Yeah, so he was there. He was in that, that packed quarterback room, yes. But he, no one was assuming he was going to jump those guys. I met that year that or when Urban Meyer retired or whatever, resigned and left. Uh, Ryan Day's first year. Ryan Day brought in Justin Field. Like, Ryan Day, like, honestly... Where the direction that Ohio State's going in is yes, because of it's because of Ryan Day and Justin Fields coming together. And the reason I say this is because let's say that Tate Martell was the starting quarterback for Ohio State, they still would have won a lot of games. I don't think would have looked as sexy doing it. And I don't th- like you know what I mean because the part of the college football playoff committee, the eye test matters whether we like it or not. That's part of the human element of it. I don't know. The direct, I don't know Ryan Day's direction if Martell's the starting quarterback that year. Again, they wouldn't have been garbage. They wouldn't have been bad. But that's the thing. You would have been a Penn State. You would have been just right. You would have been very, very good, but you still would have been behind a tad uh, when it comes to that position. So I, I just think that one of the biggest moments in the history of Ohio State football was Justin Fields uh, committing to Ohio State out of Georgia. I do believe that that, like, that really did um, allow Ryan Day to take the program to the next level because we all know it's hard to go sell receivers on the recruiting trail and in offensive play, even though Justin Fields wasn't going to be around that much longer anyways. But the point is, is even for transfers, the transfer portal plays such a huge role now. I, I just, I, I'm, I don't know. I think the perception of Ryan Day would have changed too. They could have had the same record with Tate Martell, but it would have felt different and looked different. And it wouldn't have felt like you were up there with the Mac Joneses and the Tua's of Alabama the Trevor Lawrence's of Clemson, if you're bringing Tate Martell to a Trevor Lawrence fight or a Tate Martell to a Tua or a Mac Jones fight, 
that's that's kind of a problem. I think that's where you and I differ. I think that if you want to bring Tate Martell to a two fight, <laughs> I mean, I but, think I think it's easier to say that now that he left. His Ohio growth State. would have continued yeah, that's on a I, better that's, curve. That, like, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I think that I can if, get, if I can you, meet you there. If yeah. you plug him into the Ohio State way, and I. 100% believe that Coach Day is smart enough to say, like, okay, he doesn't do these things well. Let me put him in a position to do the things that he does well and excel. And I think, I honestly think Ohio State would have been a, the exact same position as they were the year Justin Fields got them to the college football playoff. Now, to your point, would they have looked the same? I don't think they would have looked the same. I think they would have been more of a run team. Um, I think he would have been. That's not as aesthetically pleasing right, for right. the committee, though. Yeah, Right. I, I, I think they would have been exactly where they wanted to be. I don't necessarily believe that Justin Fields, his first year at Ohio State, maybe the Penn State game was the only game that I say, like, all right, only Justin Fields would have made that play. Like I just don't think like I just think the sum was greater than the the single parts. I just think that you gotta think about that Ohio State team. Obviously J.K. Dobbins, obviously you got Chase Young. Like outside of like the big stars on that team, there was a lot of good guys on that team that are currently in the NFL now and starters in the NFL. We didn't even mention the guys on the offensive line and everything like that. I I just think that if he was playing quarterback, they'd have been exactly where they were with Justin Fields at the position. Like, but I do agree. You know, this is probably was best for him too. Yeah, because Tate Martell not being like him not being able to crack it as a quarterback or be able to beat out guys. The his progression within the Ohio State program would he would have been ten miles ahead yeah. of his progression schedule remaining at Ohio State versus leaving, then going to Miami, not really having a plan from there, and then he changes positions, and then he's not mentally invested into it because he's always viewed himself as a quarterback. And right. He would have been a quarterback at Washington. He committed to Washington. He actually committed to Texas A&M as well. Yeah. Um, and I know, and we talk about like you know the freedom of players to be able to go where they want. That I mean, there's a lot of coaches I talk to that they do pay attention to do you bounce around from team to team or not? Like, I know that we talk about that that's part of, you know, that the players should have the right to do so, but it's kind of like in our everyday normal people jobs where if I go to an interview and the interviewee is, or the interviewer is saying, man, I noticed you've had six jobs over the last three years. I mean, what's going on there? You hop around from job to job. So, like, I know what your yeah. point is always about the freedom for players to be able to go where they want. But sometimes that is a red flag. It's a red oh, yeah, flag for, sure. for us when we are, you know, when you know we're applying for jobs and they see that you've had 85 different jobs over the last five years. That's an exaggeration because <laughs> nobody has any jobs right now because no one's taken any, right? Like, but uh, the point is, <laughs> is that that's, you know, that should have been a red flag at the beginning. Sometimes things get bumpy when you're 18 years old at the beginning. You don't know really what you want to do, but to commit to Washington, then to commit to Texas A&M, and then to commit to Ohio State, uh, and then to go to Miami, not work out there, and then to disappear for a while. Like, they didn't even know where he was. Like right. he went, like he went full Kyrie Irving to the you know oh, times ten. Yeah, they couldn't even find him. His mom couldn't find him. His girlfriend couldn't mm, find that's him. Scary, like, it man. was that, was, and I'm not making light of that. That was a very weird thing. Like with everything going on right now, talking about you know mental health and everything, he would have been one that I would have circled and said, "There's something bigger than football going on there. You might want to pay attention." So then. We don't hear about him forever. Now he's at UNLV. So that means Washington. That means Texas A&M, Ohio State, Miami. 
And now that's five teams. And by the way, he still has two years of eligibility left. So he could play this year and in 2022. Yeah. He committed to Ohio State in two thousand uh, Washington in 2017. <laughs> He's on the Kinner plan <laughs> in college. So uh, there's it, that. It, it's crazy, man. And, and like we talked about before with, you know, the world of recruiting and the world of, you know, big time athletics and everything like that. It's vital that. Obviously, the parents be involved in that situation and them not get caught up in a whirlwind. You know, it's important for people to have, you know, people in their corners and everything like that. You know, I remember when Braxton Miller committed to Ohio State going into his senior year, showed the tattoo on on, on the news and everything like that. And that and then you got to think that year, that's when things hit the fan at Ohio State with, you know, tat gate and everything like that. But, you know. He had a strong circle around him, and he kept his commitment to Ohio State and everything like that. And, you know, it's I just think that this world of sports and especially high school athletics and college athletics is just so much about being seen and, and wanting to grow up so fast. And that's to your point about, you know, guys hitting a transfer portal and being adults. Sometimes you're not ready for this. Sometimes you, you think you are. You think you're ready for big time college football and to be the man and everything like that. Sometimes these red shirt years are needed for maturity uh, reasons. Sometimes, you know, you need that strong influence from your parents. Like, I know I keep going back to the whole Justin Fields thing about how he came home and was about to jump in the shower and have some dinner. And his pops was like, hey, man, you didn't cut the grass brought him back down to reality you know brought him back yeah you may be the i think sometimes i need someone to urge me to cut the grass from time to time <laughs> you may be the man you may be the man justin fields your name may be plastered all over town and every recruiting board and everything like that but you still got to wash the dishes and cut the grass like i just think like that levity that parents and you know role models bring to young adults is definitely needed because you know i understand it was a tv show and everything like that but the things that i saw on that show from Fields versus what I saw from Martell were just like night and day, and is is, I man I I feel for the kid, but you know these these are the things you want to be a, a an adult. These are the adult things you have to deal with. You know what I'm saying you got to take the good with the bad, and unfortunately for him, he's in a situation where he's getting another chance. That's a great thing, but like I said before, I hope that he took advantage of the education at Ohio State. Miami, and he continues to take the advantage of getting the education at UNLV because this whole football thing, I don't think it's going to work out for you long term. So, good luck to him. Yeah, but, you know, if UNLV wins the national championship, I cannot <laughs> wait, which won't happen. But I cannot wait. If UNLV wins the national championship, I can't wait for Buckeye fans to uh, be trying to hold on to that cape the way they did for Joe Burrow. I mean, what my they, goodness. They pull a UCF and run the table. Once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye, unless, you know, you don't go on to your next school and succeed. <laughs> That's honestly the Buckeye mindset. You could transfer from here, and if you don't have success, we will never think of you again. But if you do go have success, my goodness, we will use the once a Buckeye, always a Buckeye line to try to get as much attention as we can off of your success. That is the Buckeye way at times. It drives me nuts. There's, it's the Ohio State University. Once they leave, they, they're gone. He's a tiger. All right. Always will be a tiger. He'll never be a buckeye, a poisonous nut. I mean, he's a tiger. So there's that. All right. When we come back, and by the way, it's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. And uh, so, yeah, there's that. And you know what's uh, So, what? Uh, where did Shaw go? Shaw, you know, when I went off on 
Chris a little bit ago. He said, man, I thought it was me. You really can't <laughs> Look, Shaw and I, we go back and forth over sports issues. Chris tries to come at me over every little tiny thing. I, I Like I said, I could post his daylight out, and he will tell me it's dark just so he can have an opposite take of me. And again, he just it, it's constant. And it gets old. Troll's going to troll. And then people always say, well, you know, you could, you just got to ignore the trolls. Says who? In what book? I went through my contract the other day just to see if I missed that rule in there where it said don't respond uh, to trolls on social media. No, I will continue to respond to trolls on social media because it's kind of funny. You know how many, you know, some, uh, there's some listeners and there's some really good friends of mine that used to, they couldn't stand me. They hated me. They would call the show to tell me they hated me. They would tweet me to say they hated me. They would come to remotes to say they hated me. I went off on him. I was rude back, and now we're real close. When I talked to Schlemmer, Schlemmer said, yeah, a lot of his closest listeners that he has, you know, friendships with stemmed from them being rude to him first, and then all of a sudden it's like they were close because Schlemmer went back at him. I'm not saying I'm doing that because he did it, but I'm just saying I do believe that I hate when people say, well, just ignore it, just ignore it. No, I'm a child. I will not ignore anything. <laughs> I live by this motto. He started it. So there you go. All right, when we come back. Reggie Bush wants his Heisman back. The NCAA made their final decision there. Plus, Florida, UCF, they sign a home and home and home. They finally get a contract done. I'm excited about that. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. The Reds add three new bullpen arms. Looking forward to seeing what the new revamped bullpen looks like moving forward. We'll continue to get your take on that. And then yesterday, I actually really enjoyed the conversation we had about Simone Biles yesterday. Because I, let me say this. Social media is toxic. It's horrible. If I didn't need it for my job, I would get rid of it in a heartbeat. Um, the tone surrounding Simone Biles in that conversation is toxic on social media. It, it really is. It irritates the hell out of me. I actually appreciated the listeners yesterday who called in, and we discussed it, Kevin. I want to discuss it with you coming up here in 10 minutes. Uh, I, I don't I don't think everything is so black and white. I don't, I, I don't think everything is so left and right. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about race. I just mean there are a lot. there is a lot of gray area. In things, I get tired of when something happens, we are told, oh, no, when this happens, you have to think this. And if you don't think this, then you're a horrible person. I think that we need to stop living on one side or the other and maybe spend some time in the middle to kind of learn how to get to the one side or the other. I think that instead of telling people how they need to think, people need to learn how to think and be taught how to think and not be scolded in how to think. And I think this Simone Biles situation is actually really important because we could sit here and scream at the top of our lungs about how she quit on her team, she's a horrible teammate, blah, blah, blah. Or we could try to actually understand what actually happened before forming an opinion and having a discussion about it. So we'll get to that in 10 minutes. But Reggie Bush, will he get his Heisman back? When will UCF and Florida kick off their home and home and home and home? And the Cincinnati Reds, when can we expect to see the fully revamped bullpen? That's all coming up in five minutes. Don't go anywhere. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ES. back with you here on a Wednesday. The Justin Kinner Show presented by Orion Sports Medicine. Reggie Bush will not be getting his 2005 Heisman Trophy returned to him after decision by NCAA. Man, it's a tough, tough day for professional athletes. I haven't, I mean, this is a big day for Kinner who is always sitting there saying, oh, the athletes run everything. They run everything. Aaron Rodgers didn't get his way. He got half of his way. He... He didn't get like he didn't get his cake and eat it too. He at least got his cake, and he you know he got his cake. Uh, but Reggie Bush will not get his 2005 Heisman Trophy returned to him after the NCAA made its ruling. Um, the NCAA will not consider reversing penalties or previously vacated records from past years. 
based on recent changes to name, image, and likeness regulations that went into effect this month, according to an NCAA spokesperson. They go on to say that although college athletes can now receive benefits from their names, image, and likeness through activities like endorsements, appearances, NCAA rules still do not permit pay-for-play type arrangements. Uh, The NCAA infractions process exists to promote fairness in college sports. Okay, stop talking. Sometimes when the NCAA talks, I cringe because they're, I don't know, they're... Say it. I don't know. Say they're, it. They're like that preacher that you know is oh, out I doing know stuff. The, 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 the NCAA, <laughs> the NCAA is like that preacher that's standing up on Sundays telling you how to be godly, and then they're doing ungodly things all week, and everybody knows about it. And then they go stand up at the pulpit on Sunday and continue to preach to you about being godly. That's the NCAA. That's the NCAA. How many hail marys do I need for that one? Oh, man. <laughs> this is crazy. I don't think, uh, I mean, we talked about this, man. I didn't think he ever going to give him his trophy back. You know, like we talked about before, they got to have something. The NCAA has got to have some type of power, and this is their power to say, all right, you can make your money, but no, nah, we got to put our foot down about something. So that just be known to Terrell Pryor, Devere Posey, Solomon Thomas, uh, Boom Heron and the rest of the guys at Tat Five, you're not getting Trim Trussell's stats reinstated. Your stats aren't going to be reinstated. Uh, AJ Green, your stats from that bowl game not going to be coming back. It's a wrap. So this is the precedent, and I could be a jerk and say NCAA should have came out and said this when they said our right, NIL is okay, but I won't because they have this now, and this is they're not. You're not going to get your stuff back. Move on. Unfortunately. Yeah. And look, I, I thought, and by the way, I have no problem with Reggie Bush and even Terrell Pryor and these guys coming out you know, publicly and demanding that their records be restored and everything. I think, you know, if you you got to shoot your shot. If your shot's there, take it, right? Um, but I also believe that, look, just because it's, just because the rules are set now for that to be okay, back then it was still a rule that you couldn't. And... I always, look, I don't want to repeat myself too much from the past, but like to me, it's not punishing them for the initial action. It's punishing them for knowing that the rule exists and breaking it anyways. That's kind of where I was with the Chase Young situation. Everyone was so caught up in Kenner. You're, you're getting so fired up about a simple loan that a player took. I'm like, I'm not, that's the thing. It's simple. So if, if, if it's a simple rule that everybody knows, why are you going to risk your teammates around you's future as far as success stats and opportunities to play in bowl games, playoffs, and so forth? If it's little tiny things that, yes, are stupid, then don't risk your team's future over something stupid. Like So I get it. I do. You know, I think that the rules are dumb, but the bottom line is at the time that he broke them, they were rules. Or at the time that he did this, the rules were against it. So just because the rules accept it now doesn't mean that you didn't break a rule back then. You still broke the rule that was set in place back then. Um, and I actually, I'm glad the NCAA did this. I think they had to come down hard on this, basically, because if they would have bent to this, Kev, you know how many doors would have been open? Because, right. by the way, it's not just Reggie Bush and Terrell Pryor and, and Solomon and those guys. There's probably hundreds and yeah. hundreds of sports that we don't even pay attention to at the college level, whether it be baseball, whether it be volleyball. There are so many different sports out there that can literally have to, you know, 
basically appeal the ruling of their you know stats and their everything being vacated. That would open up a whole can of worms, a whole department that the NCAA would have to open up just to be able to go appeal all these. I think this was smart on their part, just put an end to it. But I do believe it was dumb of them to not anticipate this coming anyway. Did they not anticipate <laughs> that this was going to happen? I believe, and I think you might have touched on this, the second that they made Fab Five, thank you, Shaw. Yeah. Uh, you know, another one. Actually, did we hear anything from them? I think the Fab Five one is different because I think that is a Michigan thing. I think their banners aren't up because the University of Michigan took them down. I God, think. that's a dumb school. Yeah. I so they punish them on cells? Yeah. Well, I, I, I ran that stop sign. Let me get out and arrest myself. Like, what is wrong I, with I, you guys? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that it, that's how it is. I, I saw you're maybe, a Michigan guy. Answer that for I us. think maybe, like, their wins may be vacated, but they can still hang their Final Four banners and things of that nature. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that is a Michigan, like, athletics thing. Yeah, and by the way, keep in mind. Which you know, make it even crazier that you have a Fat Five member as your head coach. Yeah. And, yeah, <laughs> trust and, me. You know, one of the biggest media personalities is on ESPN every day in Jalen Rose. And then there's <laughs> and then there's Chris Webber. That's on TNT <laughs> three nights a week. Like, uh, um, <laughs> it's because it, so it goes on to say that, look, like sanctions from the investigation, which came back in 2010, mandated um, that Bush disassociate from USC and includes a two year postseason ban. So that's the other thing. I don't want them to get I don't want him to get his Heisman back and have his stats restored because you it's not just you that was punished like you because of your selfish decision. You punished future USC Trojan players. You, you know, you made the program suffer for two years because of you, Reggie Bush. The program didn't get to participate in, in the postseason the next couple of years, and it wasn't just Reggie Bush. I mean, there was Pete Carroll and a bunch of people that played a role and a lot of rules being bent. But the point is, is you can't just go back and turn everything over because you can't make it right with everybody. And there was a lot of people that suffered because of Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll and a lot of those guys' decisions. So I'm fine with them staying pat here. Same thing with Ohio State. That year that they lost to Michigan with Fickle there and all the losing that happened in the postseason ban. How about Urban Meyer's first year undefeated? Uh, should have been in the national championship game. They didn't get to compete in the national championship because of that. So why would you go and reverse everything for um, you know Terrell Pryor and those guys in Still, Urban Meyer never got to coach in the national title game early on as a Buckeye head coach because when they went undefeated, a lot of those players who went undefeated, that's the thing, Kev, when that team went undefeated with Urban Meyer, they got punished for Terrell Pryor. So now you want to tell Terrell Pryor, who I know it was stupid, Tatgate, all over tattoos, but now Terrell Pryor, who still has his tattoos, by the way, uh, (laughs) has his tattoos. Now he's going to get his stats back. Then you're going to get your wins back. And what does that do for the undefeated Buckeyes that season that should have played in the national title game that Terrell Pryor ripped that opportunity from them? So that's why I get so caught up and like we act like, oh, these athletes are punished for their decisions. No, there's a whole pool of casualties around them when it comes to their selfish decisions that they make. Luckily, the Chase Young, as dumb as that situation was, luckily they played Purdue or they played uh, Rutgers in Iowa. Luckily, it was just as simple as you know they. Still beat them with or without them, so you know whatever. But uh, I do. That's the other thing I have an issue with is don't make it right just for the one person because there's so many other people that their selfish decision making impacted. But whatever, they're not. He's not going to get back. Stats aren't being restored. We can move on. Real quick, real yep, quick. All good. Which was worse? Whose infraction was worse? The tattoos or Trace Young with the loan? The. I will say that the tattoos, because that was done for more like childish reasons, like at least Chase Young, who I know was joking about like bringing a girl out there and stuff, but the fact that you have to even borrow money 
at all. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how to word that. I don't know. Which one is worse to you? I don't really have a set answer. I... <laughs> I think, I think because it's the Chase Young thing. Like if I his is say, dumber, so that makes it worse. Because no, why think, would you risk I, it? I think that the tattoos are dumber, but I, I could clearly see that the Chase Young situation is an infraction. Like you're accepting money, you can't do that. Like I, I know there, there's a shade of gray with. All right, you want a pair of gold pants? They're yours. But you can't sell them until you're no longer a student. Like, so I can see the shades of gray there. Like, wait, it's mine, but it's not mine. But there's no shades of gray of you can't accept money. Here's some money. So if I was like a non-Ohio State fan, I would be screaming from the mountaintops that, well, Chase Young got suspended for, what, two games? And these guys got suspended for, for an entire season for tattoos. Like... Or something that was theirs. So I I would imagine that Chase Young's was worse. Like I just view his as quote unquote worse. All right, Justin Kenner Kevin Nash. Minute statement. Last thing here before we head into the third hour, even though it technically already is the third hour. The Florida Gators and UCF Knights have agreed to a three-game series that is scheduled to start in the year 4004. No, in the year 2024. <laughs> it was announced this past Tuesday the Gators will host the Knights in Gainesville on October 5th, 2024. They will, and then this is stupid. Like this. There you go. There you go, Kenner. The there Gators go. will host the Knights in Gainesville go. on October 5th, 2024. Then the Gators will return the favor in 2030. You know, when college athletics doesn't exist anymore. Facts. When the SEC has every freaking team under the one umbrella and then this contract means absolutely nothing. Um, look, by the way, UCF, I don't know if they will get all three of these games in there. I'll be very shocked if they do, but they will get that first game in on October 5th, 2024. Um, and we could sit here and try to feel sorry for UCF, but the bottom line is you are not a Power 5 school. You did get a deal worked out to where you could potentially have Florida play at UCF at some point in the near, near future. Um, <laughs> and if you're UCF, you beggars can't be choosers. You need Florida more than Florida needs you. $5,000 sign-on bonus. Home down. Let's send it to the WING studios for Dayton's only local sports talk show. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, presented by Orion Sports Medicine. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Seven games back of the NL Central. The Cincinnati Reds are not waiting until the trade deadline on Friday at 4 o'clock to pull, to pull the trigger on some deals. Uh, they have three new arms in the bullpen, and right now that has to make you feel good as a Cincinnati Reds fans, especially as they're sitting three games above 500, seven games out of first in the NL Central. Now, they may sound like a lot of games, um, but when you look at the schedule that the Reds have moving forward and you look at the Brewers, the Brewers have one of the most difficult to be the best. Like they, they're. It's amazing. Nick Kirby and some guys I follow on Twitter, who are you know they're the biggest Reds homers out there, and I don't mean that with a bad negative connotation necessarily, but they always like to see the glass half full. Um, but what I don't respect about some Reds fans is when they say things like, "Man, do I think?" Because I saw someone ask Nick Kirby on Twitter, "Do you believe that if the Reds would have had this bullpen from the very beginning, that they would have that they would be ahead in the division and run away with it?" He said, "No, maybe they would have won four to five more games." But the good news is, is that the Brewers' schedule is tough moving forward, and that the Reds is easy. Right. So that's that's your idea of happiness amongst Reds community. Right. 
Like, yeah. that's strange to me. Like, that's why I, I can't, like, to me, it's like when I hold my teams to a high standard, like, people think I'm just being negative, like, with Ohio State. I look at Ohio State as championship or bust no matter what. And if they don't win a championship, to me, it's a failed season. I've actually adjusted that because it's college football playoff, maybe national title game or bust for Ohio State. But they've propelled them to that that expectation. Right. The Reds haven't done that yet. But if your main goal is, man, I just hope that the front office does enough to, you know, you, between, you know, the Reds, you know, front office add an arm or two, and then uh, I don't think we're good enough, but hey, at least our schedule's, like, that's the bar that you're setting for what you view as your team. I find that that's weak. That's it's a loser like mentality. The, it's almost like the teams that back into the NFL playoffs. Like, like the NFC East? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you bring it up, but yeah, like, it's like those teams, like, you don't, oh, wow. You don't Real wanna, quick, Sessa and Wilson, are, they're at Wrigley. They're tonight. Jake, thank you for sending that. I didn't realize that. So continue your point. My bad. I got excited. No, no you're good. Um, it's just like those teams that back into the playoffs, like you don't want to ever rely on somebody else to lose. You don't want to be that team at the NFL and the NFL, the last game of the season, like, all right. We got to win, and then the Vikings got to beat the Browns, and then the Chargers got to beat the Chiefs, and then we're in. You don't want to be in that position. I don't like playing dominoes. Yeah, you don't (laughs) want to be in that position. You don't want to be, as a baseball fan, like you talking about with the Reds, like, all right, we got an easy strength of schedule, but we got to hope they lose. Well, you don't ever want to be in that position. You want to be in a position of power saying, like, if we handle our business, we'll be perfectly fine. And that's how the team should look at it, and that's how the fans should look at it as well. You shouldn't be like hoping that, all right, man, if they if they drop like ten in a row, then we're right back in this thing. Like that's wishful thinking, man. That's that's like that's hope hoping for hope. Like you just can't you can't fan like that. Hope, and and I've always said this before, and I this is why I've been critical of the Bengals because. The loser mentality that comes out of Cincinnati, and it's for all their teams, it seems, from from the fan base. When I actually heard a sports radio host in Cincinnati say, well, the line doesn't need to be great. It just needs to be average. So that's what you're that's what you aim for. You get a franchise quarterback and you just you're a, a, a radio host says, well, they don't need to be great. You know, they just need to be average. They can dra- they, they need to get other th- they need to address other pieces in the draft. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You, you would you have your franchise quarterback and not like I mean they won they got to the playoffs with Andy Dalton but he wasn't a franchise quarterback. This is a franchise quarterback, and you as a fan are actually convincing yourself that well we don't need to be great we just need average. And there's a lot of Bengals fans that supported that mindset. I'm like that's such a weird thing. Like do you think in college at Ohio State saying well we don't need four and five star, three stars fine we'll just develop them when they get no they want the best they are not settling for anything else. Same thing with Bama and everything. So I just don't respect my teams when they have that mindset or fans of teams when they have that mindset of well you know they don't need to be great they just they just need to get they don't need to get great names at the trade deadline they just need to get a couple average arms and that's kind of where I we're took at that statement as them saying like look they don't need to be world beaters for them to make the playoffs like we just kind of need to at least be average like that's how i took it uh, yeah you're but you're right like you don't want any of your teams to be like all right we're shooting for average this is this is what we want to be but when you look at teams that are in the dumpsters, like, you know, name your NBA franchise, like the Cavs. Detroit Pistons. They got the number one pick. They're just looking for something, something to hook on to. They're going to probably draft Kay Cunningham tonight and every, or tomorrow night and everything like that. So they're not expecting to go from, all right, we're drafting Kay Cunningham and Kay Cunningham and uh, Jeremy Grant are going to take us to the Eastern Conference Finals. They're looking to say, all right, we're going to draft this kid. We already got a good player in Jeremy Grant. We're hopeful with another piece that we can be a five seed. 
like is like baby steps. So that that's where I, that's where I take when people say those type of comments because I can't believe that people are that foolish to actually believe like all right, all we need is a off, average offensive line and we can win a Super Bowl. I always take it as like all right, they're they're saying like all we need to do is get an average offensive line and we'll be better than we were last year. Like that's that's at least where I I view it. I could be totally wrong. I could be taking people way too for granted saying like well they can't possibly be saying and meaning those stupid things i take it as like all right they're just saying like all right to get on track no and to be and and doug toby on facebook says that was the cleveland browns six years ago just win five games david doug's getting defensive because i brought up the Bengals. and by the way just so we're clear doug and i made fun of the browns then too that's what people forget is like people act like i'm just overhyping the browns to stick it to the Bengals who are bad like i'm being confident about the Browns because the Browns are good. The Browns are good. The Bengals are bad. And when the Browns were bad, I talked about how bad they were all the time. I was livid during the 0-16 season. Uh, so, no, like, and I used to rip the Browns for the same thing. Now, to your point, I know, like, I kind of understand the point of, okay, well, we don't, need, we don't need the best offensive. We just need an average offensive line to protect Joe Burrow, which is BS, and here's why. <laughs> I know what you're saying, like, okay, you know, you don't have to have the best offensive line, blah, 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 blah. But when you have the opportunity to get it. So if you oh, have yeah. so if you have the budget to get a brand new car, a reliable car, and you choose to get an old beat up clunker, well, you know, we don't need a brand new. I mean, we have a budget to get a brand new car to get us to work and home safely, to get the kids to school and back, to take on vacations, you know, to drive to Florida and back or what have you, you know. If you have an opportunity to get that, you could afford it, and yet you choose to buy a clunker to take your kids to school and every day and to get to work and to take to vacation, and then your car breaks down on the way to vacation, and your car breaks down on the way to take your kids to work, you're probably going to be sitting on the side of the road saying, man, I wish I would have got that uh, that brand new car because I ha- I, that was in the budget, and that's going to be the Bengals this year. The, Joe Burrow's going to get hurt again, be out for the season, and then every fool that actually uttered the words, well, we don't need the best offensive line. We just need an average. Well, how's that working out for you? You know, you have enough money to get a brand new car, all the bells and whistles, safe, everything, and you buy a clunker because you say, well, I mean, sure, we don't need the bells and whistles. We just need something with tires to get us to and front, and then it breaks down, and you're like, oh, crap, we should have got that. That's the Bengals. And that I hope that's not the Reds' approach here. I hope that they are not choosing to get eh, guys when they have a chance to go get the guys. Right. And uh, the difference is, is that the Reds aren't really f- swimming in money to where the Bengals had one of the – and that's the other thing, too. The reason I was also frustrated, I could understand, like, your team, the Steelers, they were strapped for cash. Right. Okay, So they weren't going out and getting the best options out there. But I feel like for what restrictions the Steelers had, I actually give your team – a B plus in the off season because I thought that they made the most of what they had with limited resources. Um, the fact that the Steelers gradually improved their team with little to no resources and the Bengals, I don't believe improved themselves out of last place with all of theirs. That's why I'm critical of the Cincinnati Bengals is you had the resources and the cap space and the flexibility to be able to take your team to that next level. And instead, you upgraded a little here, you upgraded a little there, and you did something here instead of going all in to get the nicest version of something that you can to build around. That's why I was critical there. I got off topic, but that's where I'm at with the Reds. Sure. You know, at the very least, we just need an average bullpen to win. Well, the reason the Reds have to settle for an average bullpen, Kev, is because, for one, they don't have the resources to get the best bullpen. You can't have the best bullpen in baseball moving forward. It's just not going to happen. But what is the best options that you have, and are you doing everything you can to reach those options? That's where I'm at. Don't be the Bengals and settle for an average offensive line because you think, well, 
We don't need all the bells and whistles. We just need something with tires that runs. And then when you're broken down on the side of the road, I don't want to hear it. That's why last year I came across as insensitive about Joe Burrow's injury. I wasn't happy he got hurt, but I was like, no, 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 Bengals fans. You don't get to cry today. You don't get to feel sorry today. This is on you for supporting them and not getting an offensive line. And that's where I'm at now. If he gets hurt, when he gets hurt this year, don't do the whole, oh, Kinner, you're a disgusting human being. Look at you. You're happy he got hurt. No, no, no. I'm laughing watching you guys. I'm, I'm laughing at the fans who are actually silly enough to believe that they were right in the offseason. And that's what I was doing last year. Again, every time I plan something else, the Bengals take over the conversation. I, I can't help it. <laughs> you made the car analogy. Random. Dream car. What's your dream car? I'm not a car guy. I just like something that runs with tires. <laughs> so I'm really not like banged um, on them about, about. So you just want something with some wheels to get you to point out. I'm just using a car as an analogy. By the way, know, I'm now, with you. you know, a minivan. I don't even have kids. I just want a minivan. Chime in on the comments. Tell us your dream car. My dream car right now because it varies from time to time. But I really like the Tesla. I really would like a Tesla. I think Teslas are cool. Probably because I'm a big Back to the Future fan. I love the doors that go up. And everything like that. I would love a Tesla. Truck. Nora wants a Tesla bad. Which basically, that's her way of telling me, I need you to get a better paying job. <laughs> yeah, you got a hundred grand and just burning a hole in your pocket. Yep, I'm going to go to Enterprise and see if they have any old Teslas there that we can rent for a weekend. How about that? Anyways, um, so yeah, it's the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash presented by Orion Sports Medicine. So David Shaw says, uh, he says Ferrari, by the way. Woo! But Shaw says, seven games back in the division, six games back in the wild card. What are the realistic chances of making the playoffs? I'm not being a troll. Serious question. I love that we're at the point where people have to, uh, they put disclaimers on their questions. So that they know they don't tick me off, right? Um, I think that they have a very... Look, I think that the Reds are still a very, very good team. I do not think that they are a World Series team. Which is why I was very kind of timid on pushing the narrative that the Reds need to make drastic moves at the deadline. Because I don't believe that there is a move that they can make to elevate them to World Series status. So unless you are selling the farm to put yourself in a position to win a World Series... Is anything you do beneath that worth it? Is giving up key prospects to get Trevor Story for half of a season worth it big picture? Trevor Story doesn't make this team a World Series team. So if the Reds give up the farm to get him, it's kind of silly, right? Because, like, I mean, look what happened last year with the COVID season. The Reds went all in to get Trevor Bauer knowing he would be a rental, and it didn't work out. And it's like, man, was it worth it? And I don't think the Reds are going to find themselves in that position twice. So for me... I'm comfortable if the Reds don't make a humongous splash at this deadline, mainly because I don't want them to give up stuff for the future to try to win two playoff games and not even a series in 2021. So Scott Campbell says, I'd like them to bring up Jose Barreo to start at shortstop and strengthen the bench. Um, Look, are we even confident that Barreo can hit the ball? And by the way, Jose uh, Garcia, again, he changed his... uh, Changed his name at the beginning of the season, and we saw Jose Garcia, Jose Barreo with the Reds last year. He was in way over his head. Are, are you meaning to tell me, Scott, and other Reds fans? Like I keep seeing Reds fans chime in on that with the Jose Barreo thing or Barrero, and I'm like, are, are we even sure that the dude is ready to play right now? Is he even ready to play right now? Like I, I don't think that he he is. I mean, sure, he, he's an option, an option, and the answer are two different things. Is he the answer? Is he an option? Yes. Is he the answer? No. Nora tells me that all the time. So Every time you say answer, I think of Alan Iverson. Alan Iverson, yes. It, <laughs> you, know. you said that uh, first. Uh, just, just, Iverson crossing over Tyrone Lue. 
So Sean <laughs> brings up a good point. Says Farmer hasn't been awful at shortstop. I am truly okay with Farmer at shortstop. Now I sound like a hypocrite by saying I kind of agree with this because I just got done saying, man, well he hasn't been awful. Well the <laughs> offensive line's not horrible. But again, when you consider your options and your resources, the Reds don't have a chance to go get a all-star shortstop. Now you're saying Trevor Story. Well, are the Reds going to extend him? Are they going to make him a part of their long-term plans? Because if not, there's no need to go get Trevor Story, give up prospects, rent a player for a half a year just to be eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Charles Tackett on Facebook says, in your mind, what moves need to be made to get to the World Series? Um, Right now, for one, the bullpen, yes, they've made changes, but we don't know what this bullpen looks like yet. If the Reds were more healthy, I would be all for them being more aggressive. Uh, Charles, by the way, where do you think they're on a scale of one to ten, one being a non-playoff team, ten being a World Series team? Um, Charles, give me on a scale of one to ten, where do you believe that they fall? Because I don't believe that they're anywhere close to being a World Series team. I mean, have you looked at the Padres? Have you looked at the Giants? Have you looked at these teams? The gap between them and the Reds is still very significant, if you ask me. So, um, But Charles answered that. Now, he said, put my GM hat on. I do believe they need to get healthy. He said seven. So you're confident. You think they're close. Wow. I don't think they're... I don't know. I'm torn on this team. Castellanos has to be healthy. Suarez, like... Charles, I would be I would agree with you more if Suarez was playing the way he's supposed to. If Mustakis could get healthy and stay healthy, if Castellanos can come back and we kind of have an idea when he's going to come back, um, there's just too many moving parts for me to say that there is a trade out there to put them in a World Series contention. Now, if Suarez was playing the way he's supposed to, if Mustakis was healthy, if Trevor or if uh, Castellanos was healthy, mixed with Votto's you know, performance at the plate right now, and then of course Jesse Winker's been fantastic this year, um, and I love Jonathan India. They have a lot of pieces. I think that they are close, but I don't believe they have the depth. Um, and I, I hate the new – baseball is doing what basketball is doing, kind of like positionless players, versatile guys. I'm not going to sign a straight four or a straight three. I want you to be able to play the two, three, four, and at times five if we play small. That's kind of what baseball is doing. Can you play second, first, short, and third base in some outfield, and then if we need you, can you catch from All time to time? All utility guys. And so what you want is, is, is you want one guy that is capable at being average at multiple positions versus one guy that is great at one. And I miss the old days where you had a third baseman who was the best third baseman in baseball and the best third baseman at base or the best third baseman at his position on the team. You didn't ask him to play a bunch of positions. And I feel like David Bell and the Reds organization, they're obsessed with utility guys like Kyle Farmer, who Kyle Farmer's solid. He's okay. He's okay at shortstop. He's okay in middle infield. He's okay in the outfield. But is that more valuable to the Reds than an everyday great player at a single position? I don't know. I don't think so. I would rather see the Reds get greats at one position that are known for that position. I hate that we have too many guys that are capable of playing multiple positions. I could see why that's a strength at times, but I think it hurts you in the long run. What's that say? Like in, in football, if you're having a quarterback, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah. And that's kind of how I view that in baseball. David Shaw says the utility guy has always been important. Yes, as a as a bench guy, right, Shaw? Not as the not. I mean, you shouldn't have five utility guys. I agree that the utility guy is important. I think Kyle Farmer actually, if they would trade Kyle Farmer, I think Kyle Farmer has a lot of value to a team like the Giants, to a team like the Padres. I think Kyle Farmer as a depth guy is humongous because I think that you know he's going to provide you depth, especially if an injury happens. But as an everyday player, I think that's where I'm at. Uh, Jeff McFerrin on Facebook says I like Farmer. 
same as Cozart, and nobody had a problem with him. You, you know, Cozart got hot the last two years. He was with Cincinnati, Jeff, but don't you remember his nickname? Jeff, or, uh, you know, Zach Ozart. I mean, there was a re- uh, but we're talking about defensively being able to play multiple positions as well. I don't know. We'll see. Shaw says five for his, uh, on a scale of zero, on a scale of one being non-playoff team to ten World Series team, where would you rank the Reds right now with this revamped bullpen? I don't know. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, real quick, Charles Tackett says, how many games have been given away this year from the bullpen? Probably double digits. Actually, I'm glad you asked. The Reds this season, they have only given up. They have only lost five games that they have led in the seventh inning. They have only lost five games they have lost in the seventh inning. The bullpen is bad statistically from an ERA standpoint, from a total hits and total home runs standpoint. But I did find that interesting. But the Reds are also known as the come-from-behind team, right? Like, so... Charles, I'm glad you asked that. There was one stat I had written down that I'm always hoping someone asks because I have the answer to it. And Charles set me up perfectly. we got to hit this break. You hit the music for a reason. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. It's the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash. Justin, you're awesome, baby. Right here on 1410. It's forged through dedication, drills, and the acquisition of new skills. Wanting won't get you there, but sweat equity just might. Timothy's Bar and Grill on Brown Street wants to wish the Dayton Flyers Reds care. Stays on the market just 24 days and houses routinely go for more than the listing price. Who you work with matters. Realtors have the expertise, local knowledge, and personal touch to give you a competitive advantage throughout the entire home buying process. And that's something an ordinary agent could never do. So make sure your agent is a Realtor. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are. Gonna miss you around here, Iris. Olivia's best optometry technician is going hey, back Mikey, to school. Did we get that new frame? Her eye is already twitching about finding a replacement. Ugh, this can't keep happening. We're gonna have to cancel appointments. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Screen for quality candidates with the skills your role needs. With days from 3 to 6 p.m. You can catch it live right here on 1410 Wing AM. Or you can stream the show at wingam.com. But now we have another way that you can take in the show. You can now watch the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash live on ESPN Dayton's Facebook page. Listen, stream, watch. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here. So, folks, I have to admit something. Remember I always say, Schlemmer, when him and I did the show together, Schlemmer was always notorious for saying, you know, when people would try to counter his takes with stats, Schlemmer would always, he would close out every argument with, even if the stats would counter his argument, he would crack me up because no matter, even if he was wrong and someone came at him with stats to prove he's wrong, he would say, yeah, well, anyone can make numbers sing and dance. And I loved it. I've never seen an individual, and again, I'm not saying he was wrong a lot, but I've never seen an individual be wrong and be so confident that the stats that told him he was wrong told the stat games they've only blown five saves that they that when taking a lead into the seventh inning, and he's not wrong. When the Reds take a lead into the seventh inning, they have only lost five times or have only given up the lead five times. But what you forget about, and this is what's important, when we talk about making numbers sing and dance, and that made me look wrong here. If I'm wrong, I want to be wrong on my own, not because someone else was trying to make a, a number sing and dance. That's annoying. Um, so here's the deal. Here's the caveat there, Kev. Well, the Reds have only lost five times, um, five losses all season when leading into the seventh inning. 
That sounds crazy with how bad this bullpen is, right? So that's a true statement. Another true statement is the Reds have the third most blown saves in baseball. You want to know another crazy stat? The Reds have the fifth most or the fifth most saves in baseball. The Reds have the fifth most saves in baseball. They also have the third most blown saves in baseball. They also only have five losses when leading heading into the seventh inning. How do all three of those things tell a different story? That right there is making numbers sing and dance. If I and this is what I always say, like no matter what your opinion is on something, whether it's something serious like COVID nineteen and the coronavirus vaccine, or something as stupid as the Reds bullpen, you can always find a number to sing and dance to fit your point, and then everyone thinks that they are right, and no one thinks that they are wrong because they find the number and the stat that makes them feel comfortable about their take, and they ignore everything else. So I just felt tra- I fell into this trap. I heard that stat, and I'm like, man, that's amazing. And I said it with confidence, and I believed it. And I'm not wrong. It actually is true. The Reds have only lost five times when taking a lead into the seventh inning. That sounds super, right? This team should have 100 wins by now, right, with that take? So the Reds have only lost five times with taking a lead into the seventh inning. Wow, that sounds pretty good. The Reds have the fifth most saves in baseball. Wow, that sounds pretty good. The Reds have the worst ERA base, uh, bullpen in baseball, and they also have the third most blown saves in baseball. Numbers can sing and dance. They can tell any story that you wanted to tell. I found that fascinating. I found that fascinating. So, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, there's that. But, uh, hmm. I don't know. You are so disappointed. I was ticked off because when I saw the reaction, I was like, man, I said that with, you know, it's one. Sometimes this is how I get away with saying things wrong. I'm like, yeah, so the team, blah, 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 blah. I think, I think that's what I read. That's how I get away with it. So that if I'm wrong, I could say, oh, I thought I read that, but no, it's not the case. But this, I'm ticked off because I believed, I, I bought into it. And then I'm like, oh, crap, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They have the fifth most saves in baseball, but they have the third most blown saves in baseball. Just forget my seventh inning stat. Isn't that a crazy, too crazy thing? Like you agree, you but can make I, numbers sing and dance. That's a prime oh, example. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I'm I'm that person that I don't really look at stats. I don't, I don't. What do I need to look at LeBron James stats for? I watch the game. I know his impact on the game. I'm watching the game. I'm. I know he's. Oh look, LeBron is scoring the ball a whole bunch. Oh look, LeBron's kicking it to corner threes. I wonder how many assists he has. I don't know a bunch. <laughs> like I don't so like stats can tell you whatever you want like I always remember it was a stat this was like in the, when I really like started like getting into basketball like crazy but like certain stats would say that you know that Stephon Marbury was a better basketball player than Michael Jordan so like these stats that come up especially these advanced stats and everything like that I'm sure you saw like a lot of the graphics during the NBA playoffs only three players in NBA history have accomplished this feat. And it will be like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and uh, Paul George. And it's like, well, one is not like the other. Because I don't even look, need to look at the stats to know Paul George ain't got nothing on LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Like, so that's why I've never been a stat guy to say, look, look, man, he's averaging this, he's doing this, he's doing this, because I'm a loser and I watch way too much sports. No, I mean, and look, it's even trickled down into real life situations. So, for instance, when COVID started happening, um, 
when COVID started, everyone said, well, look, the survival rate's 99.4%. I'm not going to hide from this thing. I mean, sure, lots of people are dying, but the survival rate's 99.4%. I'm going to take that chance. Those are, so those people that said, well, the death rate, I mean, the survival rate's at 99.6%, so we're fine. But then when the vaccine comes out and 0.00005% of the people have a bad reaction to the vaccine, the people that went with the higher number of the survival rate use that to push their take. And then whenever the vaccine comes out and there's a tiny, a less than 1% chance of something bad happening with the vaccine, people want to jump on that extremely small number just to say that, well, there, then you know, then they threw out the percent. They weren't using the percent. Right. Then they were using the total amount of people who were having a bad reaction to it. It wasn't people didn't care about the total number of those impacted by COVID. They used the ninety nine point whatever survival percent survival rate. Right now with the vaccine, they're not using the percentage of the success of the vaccine. They're trying to use total numbers of people who have had a bad uh, reaction to the vaccine. That's what we do. We make numbers sing and dance, and that's what we're doing with the Reds bullpen. And how about that? Justin Kinner just found a way to use. COVID-19, the debate of (laughs) COVID-19's vaccine to compare it to the Reds' bullpen. And both, pretty ugly. Both aren't good. Both aren't good. That's pretty impressive, Justin. I mean, I didn't even mean to go there. Um, And, Kev, you'll like this. Uh, Oh, my God. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. uh, Welcome back. Uh, Lamar Shelley says, uh, I hate the plus minus stats. You hate the plus. I like them. I don't know why. I like that. I think that plus minus tells a story. When you're on the floor and your team plays bad, and the, you know, I, I just feel like that's a good stat. You don't like it, though. I don't like it. I don't like Lamar, it. Lamar, why don't you like it? Type that in while Kev's explaining why he doesn't like it. I don't like, like it. it because there's certain situations where, like, um, who am I thinking about? Just player X comes in for five minutes, and let's just say Dame Liller is on one of those tears where he's dropping 55 points. You're not helping the situation. Dame is doing the work. He's the one pulling logo threes. You're not the one helping the situation. Do you really think people are using plus minus to make for a debate about Brian Scalabrini? No, they're using it for the star players. They, they do. They do. Like I remember when plus minus started. And I used to like it because this is plus minus has been around for a while, a lot longer than people realize. But it was when I believe the first time I read a stat about plus minus was when Austin Carr, when he played with the Utah Jazz back. Austin um, Carr, yeah, yeah, man, no kidding. Back. Not, no, not Austin Carr. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, and, how Antoine, old are you, Benjamin Antoine Carr? Antoine Carr. Antoine, Antoine Carr. It was uh the series versus the Bulls in the last dance, the last championship the Bulls won, and. Antoine Carr was in the game, and his plus-minus was through the roof, and so was Carl Malone, and they figured out a way that, like, all right, Antoine Carr can hit a 15-foot jumper, 15 jumper, so he clears a lot of space on the block for Carl Malone. So his plus-minus was through the roof and everything like that while he was on the court. So he obviously freed up space for Carl Malone, and I was just blown away by that. Like, man, you need to play him more. But... As I watch the game, like, well, what do I need that plus-minus staff for if I actually see the fact that he's at the top of the key and they're guarding Carl Malone one-on-one on the block? I need a plus-minus for that? I'm watching the game. So it's plus-minus for people to actually watch the game or people that just go to uh, box scores and say, oh, man, it's plus-minus. is great, man. He must have played a great game. Like, who, uh, who's, it, who's it serving, I guess? So I think it depends on how you use the plus-minus. I don't. I'm not a big fan of using the plus-minus for role players or what have you, but that argument right there makes sense even if paid to watch play. <laughs> and that was Iglesias, the shortstop. Goodness. That's how fantastic. That's how fun he was to watch defensively. It was really good offensively as well. So then from Iglesias, they didn't re-sign him, but then they traded for Freddie Galvis that same season and then had him the 
next year. Then they let Freddie Galvis go. And then they ended up with Farmer. Now, here's the deal. I do believe that they were counting on um, Barrero. Garcia, uh, Barrero, the, sh- the the top, you know, one of the top prospects in the system at shortstop. They anticipated him being ramped up and ready to go, um, and he showed last year he wasn't ready for the big leagues. And I think his development is has gone slower than they anticipated, which is why they were doing cheaper deals for guys like Iglesias and for guys like Freddie Galvis. They headed into this season thinking, man, if we could just get through 2021 with with Eugenio Suarez at shortstop. Which, by the way, Suarez last played shortstop for the Reds back in 2015. Wasn't bad that year. Now all of a sudden he's bad. It's so strange to me. But anyways, um, with that being said, it's like they were trying to use this year to buy time so they can call Barrero up at a certain point. So that's why I also don't believe that they are going to trade for for Story or anybody at that position because I think that they have used invested so much money and resources into developing Barrero that the only way you don't start Barrero next year is if you use him in a trade for Trevor Story or something along those lines. So we will see. All right, this is... Totally off topic from Reds baseball, but this is from uh, Pete Tamil uh, at Yahoo. Number one recruit Quentin Ewers tells Yahoo Sports he's leaning towards skipping his senior year of high school and attending Ohio State. Ewers could then sign an NL- NIL deal worth near seven figures. Oh. Why this have to come at 556? My hot take has been that Quinn Ewers will not play for Ohio State. Um, dude, that's some serious dough. And like I said, if he makes seven, if he makes seven figures, as not even on the team yet, because he he can't have a scholarship. He would basically enroll as a student, student, and just to do it, just to get that money. Yeah. good for you. Do it now. C.J. Stroud. Let's say he's named a starting quarterback for the Buckeyes, and he doesn't make seven figures. Now, does that play a role on the pressure of who you start? Right? Like, not next season, because Ewers won't be eligible to play. But I'm just saying, if, if Ewers does that and gets his seven figures, and he's not even on the team yet. I mean, hell, even Alabama's quarterback, seven figures. He hasn't even made a start for Alabama right. yet. Um, you know, I, but Byers and I talked about this yesterday. But my big thing is this, is like, that's going to matter. And it, that's why I said Quinn Ewers will not play for Ohio State, because if he's not the starter in year one, if C.J. Stroud leads the Buckeyes to an undefeated season, at the very least they lose in the college football playoff semis or lose in the national title game, you're not going to move on. I mean, that means C.J. Stroud had to play at a very high level. Right. You don't just move on. I mean, I don't care if yours is really, really good. If your quarterback plays at such a high level, you don't just move him to move him. If the team chemistry is there and he has a good rapport with those receivers, you don't risk moving on to Quinn Ewers, even if he is a tad better. I think that that's what happened in Georgia. Um, I think we know that Justin Fields was better than... Uh, Oh, crap. I always forget his name. Was it Fromm? Not Fromm. Yeah, Jake yeah Fromm. Fromm. So we knew he was better than Fromm, but Fromm had just led the Georgia right. Bulldogs to the playoffs. They were in the national championship game. They played really well. They, they He had good chemistry with they them. Blown coverage away from winning yeah. it. Was Fields better than him? Yes. Was Fields, was it still worth the risk of taking Fromm out of an established situation and rapport with his team to put him in? That's what the Buckeyes might be in that position a year from now. Quinn Ewers is probably better than C.J. Stroud, but if Stroud goes undefeated, wins a big Ten championship and loses by a field goal in the semifinals or the national championship or heaven forbid win it all, then then what? Do you you have that chemistry established with your team already? You don't just pluck him out and put yours in because he's better. But if he's making seven figures and CJ Stroud's making, Who is he making seven figures from? Because if he's making seven figures from the right booster, then we have room to Or take. is this a situation at Ohio State that is, man, we got to find a way to keep him here. we got to motivate him to to stay here. 
you know, Ewers might he'll accept being a backup if he's making seven figures. I didn't think that was going to be possible to be a backup making that much money. But if, <laughs> if he finds a way to do it, then he'll stay. But I also have a hard time believing that that wouldn't create a weird thing, dynamic between him and C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller or McCord or whoever the starting quarterback right. is. I love this story. And we're out of time. Reds baseball tonight. The, the new additions. Uh, the only um, So the, the Cincinnati Reds, they will have the two of their three new additions tonight in Chicago. All right. So the two additions they got from the New York Yankees, Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson, both are at Wrigley. Both will be available for the Reds tonight. Givens will be in Chicago tonight, but he will not be eligible. I believe he'll be active and ready to go for tomorrow afternoon's game. Man, it's so much college football news breaking right now. It's what? Now so what? Much. Just tell me. I'm already in trouble anyways. We're already uh, past the, the 6 big, o'clock. The Big 12 has sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN. The letter uh, demands ESPN to end all actions that may harm, harm the conference and its members. Basically saying that ESPN has contracts with, uh, with at the SEC, which is forcing Texas and Oklahoma to leave the conference. So Big 12 has sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN. This is it's getting crazy out here, dog. Hold up, hold up. I don't care. We're already past the time. I'm Break, already in trouble. Breaking news. The Big 12 has sent a cease and desist letter to ESPN. The letter demands ESPN in all actions that may harm the conference and its members. So what does that mean? Basic. I, I don't know what it means, but I, I, we're in English, please. Yeah, right. Like I, I mean, man, dude, this is getting ugly. This is getting ugly. They're, they're trying to save their conference, and and I and I don't knock them for that. We didn't even get to that today. We didn't even. Get, I, I teased Simone. Get to it tomorrow. I to me. I teased Miles, and we didn't even get to that yet. We didn't even get to the yeah, the conference. I mean, the SEC with Texas, and you were gone for that. I couldn't wait to talk to you about that. Uh, we maybe should move to five hours. <laughs> Because weren't you, just saying, season, yeah. weren't you just saying you don't have enough to do during the day? All right, folks, I'm going to be in trouble. My bosses are going to kill me. I'm going to break super late. I love all y'all. Thank y'all for listening. We'll do this again on Friday. No no show tomorrow due to Reds baseball, but uh, I predict two more wins for the Reds before we crack the airwaves next. So until then, this has been the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Welcome back. Presented hey. by Orion Sports Medicine. Take care. Justin Kidder Show with Kev Nash, presented by...